Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. When Dr. Kirk Parsley joins the show, you know you're going to learn something. The problem is, it may be something you wish you didn't. Hear the latest vaccine scuttlebutt, how sleep may affect, well, virtually everything, and how to pick individualized health testing protocols as you age. Welcome our longtime friend of Power Athlete Radio, Dr. Kirk Parsley. Here it is, episode 547. Bob Marley made a great quote where he said, people hate you for telling the truth and love you for telling lies. Yeah, absolutely. And so the truth is much more... You got to tell the the approved of lie, make people feel good. Mm. Well, that happens. So, little Wayne's world. So, Doc, how's everything going? Everything's just going, man. Yeah. Life, life is cruising as as always. Well, as you guys know, we have uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley on the podcast, uh, alum of Power Athlete Radio, many, many times, local friend and uh, training partner for Tex and myself. So, wanted to jump on. Uh, to, uh, Doc spoke this weekend at our Power Athlete Coaches Collective 2021. So, we... Um, if you guys follow follow us, you know we always have done the symposium. We've done the symposium for years, and then last year we didn't do it in the COVID environment, which gave us a chance to reboot it in a better time of year. Because December in Texas, you don't know what you're going to get. It might be 100 degrees, or it might be negative 40, yep. and uh, and raining wanted, and raining either either way. 100 and or raining. snow that first time. Well, we did yeah. have snow, yeah. and we we've had rain. I mean, we've had some really inclement weather over the years. Remember when we were down at. Uh, uh, the native and it poured rain so bad. Remember, yeah. we were gonna like have like for that. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't even bring. We couldn't the, auction the truck. Truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> like we, the whole like the the, <laughs> the premier event like uh, canceled too yeah. much rain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got screwed on that one. Uh, Kate actually pitched me an idea. She we we were talking to a bunch of charities and there's a charity that what they do is they build a car and then they raffle the tickets off for like a hundred bucks a piece and they're able to like fund their charity for an entire year based off of that raffle. So she's like, what do you guys think? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I was looking at the cars they build. I'm like, is there a raffle for shitty pickup trucks? <laughs> but there's an audience. <laughs> yeah. Power Athlete Radio listener right well, there. Well, well, chime in and let us know that if you would buy a $100 raffle ticket for a Power Athlete uh, infused built truck, uh, something dope. I was thinking, In support of Wade's Army. In support of Wade's Army. <laughs> Preferably painted like a baby blue or a blue color. I got an idea for it. We were thinking of maybe doing like a OBS truck, like a Chevy, like an 88, you know, remember like probably what your high school football coach drove. If you were from your age group. The, well, they were the 96 teal Chevy trucks. Yeah. So that body style after the square body, that's what we yeah, were looking at doing. So something like that. All right. Yeah. So that might be an idea. But yeah, Kate pitched me that one the other day and I was like, sure, let me add that to the plate of things that we already have to do. Well, you could take one of those mini trucks that you're currently building and yeah, but those are my trucks. <laughs> that makes it more valuable. You get John Wellborn. Uh, but the problem, and, and here, here's the hard part, is uh, I, w- I was going back through my Instagram because uh, some guy asked me a question about something, and I went back to the Instagram, and I started welding on that uh, on the, uh, the short crew cab rock crawler truck. May of 2020 is when I actually started working on it. And so I, I missed my mark. Of, now I'm, what, at like 15 months? Hmm. So after 15 months and like 300 hours of just welding time on that thing, I don't, I'm like, I, like at this point, it's one of my kids. It's probably never leaving. So that's a lot of work. Yeah, dude, there's a ton of, there's a, like, I, I think people, or at least I'd never had like, uh, um, when we built my fall guy truck, 
there was like uh, four or five guys were helping me with it. And then, you know, DJ did all the wiring and like, you know, there was just a, it was a big collective of people. Right. This <clears> truck, <throat> it's just been purely me and DJ mm. on, on like Sundays. So like now I've really seen the amount of time and effort and work and thought that went into it. Like my buddy Will came out, which was great in terms of getting set up on all my links, but it's a fucking lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's an impressive amount of welding. It's like, it's like building an entirely new frame. Yeah. Just, yeah, like it, it would have been easier just to build a new frame. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. It's like build it from scratch. Right. Like <laughs> well, and then and I have a buddy that designs all that stuff. And I remember when I hit him up on the idea, he sent me all the designs. And he's like, hey, dude, just like take this, get the metal and do all this. You'll save yourself like months. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'll do it this way. And now I'm looking like hindsight. I'm like, fuck, I should have did what he said. I should have just built a custom frame. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much work, but it's cool. It's a, it's been a, a very good learning process. But now you know. Well, now it's like uh, I, I realize that everything is kind of graduated. So then you're like, oh, I, I've built these trucks. Now um, people are like, oh, can you build a staircase? I'm like, as a matter of fact, I can build you a fucking staircase. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> and it's what you did for the collective. Well, no, but what's funny is that staircase, we could pretty much take it off roading and it would hold together. It's like got grade eight bolts and like three sixteenths steel. I'm like, fuck this thing. As you remember, we were putting it up. We're like, God damn it. Could you made this out of lighter material? No. No, that would not be. Because we might have 50 people on a party on that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dance party. Well, I was imagining like... It'll tear down the beams before the the steel breaks. No, that thing's not fucking going anywhere. (laughs) But I'm imagining when we finish the upstairs and we turn it into our lounge, because, you know, until we need another lounge where we can have more drinks, uh, that'll be... We'll get a lot of people up in there. The brew with the crew. It's coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Drinking with bros. Oh, drinking if you're gonna, bros. What's the other one? Well, they got drinking bros, but we're going to do. Drink. We're bros drinking. Yeah, bros. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll invite Dan Holloway over. I know we just saw, I just saw Dan the other day. At, uh, uh, perfect. And then, we, and then yeah. what you have to do is line all the walls up there with like uh, bunk beds so that everybody, when everybody gets shit house, they don't have to get DUIs. <laughs> bros sleeping? Like, yeah. Something. Doc, you're a pretty good drinker. How many drinks does it take you to get fucking have to stay over? I, I literally have to try to get drunk. Like, I, I can my yeah my father's an alcoholic so I got that I got that gene so I I have a uh, you know the the gene that it's called alcohol dehydrogenase that pro- processes alcohol and if you're the son of a male if you're the male son of an alcoholic like ninety percent chance you have this gene so you process alcohol twice as fast plus it's on body mass so I'm heavier than most guys and I have that so like I can't get drunk off beer or wine. I, I I could drink that until like I just physically couldn't hold anymore, and that won't get me drunk. But if I drink liquor, like I I can get myself drunk. So you're saying we need to take him to Oktoberfest? Oh yeah, I need and, to wear Depends now though because I can't handle I can't handle the gluten of beer anymore since Rob fucked me over and got me to go paleo. Like, uh, uh, well, the beer in Germany, like um, if I drink beer here, I have issues. But when we're in Germany, uh, the beer's different. Something's different. And all I know is the alcohol content was way through the roof. Uh, they brought still over. have issues, just not gut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to piss a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they also have these, like, I mean, what were they? They were legitimate 40-ounce beers. Oh, yeah. And there's more. So they special brew that. So there's more alcohol. Yeah. And then you get a bigger glass. Yeah. It's just. What, it was what, 20 euro. What's, what's the outfit you have to wear? The Schlinger? Uh, Lederhosen. Lederhosen. There you go. So yeah. when Tex and I yeah. went, uh, we were like, ah, we were going to get the outfits. But we're like, does everybody wear them? And then we showed up. And everybody was wearing them. Mm. And I was like, we should have got leader hosen. We had yeah. bad intel from a local. Yeah. yeah. We should have just went all in. I, yeah. 
And then, uh, and, and then uh, we were sitting there at this table and we were talking to these girls and uh, there was like a whole bunch of people. And, and the guy we were with, you remember, uh, told the girl next to us, he's married. And then she starts screaming at me. And I'm like, why are you screaming at me? And she's like, she's like, screams at, was she Russian or something? She goes, you're married. And I'm like, okay, like, what's the problem? And then I realized I was like, oh, you thought that, the, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is, it was, uh, it was really funny. So the dresses, they, uh, the, the taken ladies, there's a bow on one side, side and then single, so they know, but then yeah. I just don't remember which side. Yeah. You remember when that uh, lady uh, f- fell off the table, remember on her back and her dress went overhead and she wasn't wearing any underwear and she was probably in her 50s, late, like with her kids. And that we remember thinking, still, like, still str- that'll happen. This was like, she scarred those kids for life. Still <laughs> yeah. struggling. Still got some trauma going on. Uh, she doesn't have that gene that you have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Germans are usually pretty reserved, except at Oktoberfest where shit gets weird. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good time. Uh, yeah. Because we were partying with non Germans. Well, uh, I, I have been to Oktoberfest once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was with the submarine rescue unit and, uh, in the Navy, we traveled a lot, and we we ended up over there for Oktoberfest one year. Dude, it's it. Uh, I think By they're going to cancel it this year. Again, uh, yeah. My my uh, contacts in Germany have been hitting me up because I, I I put it out there that I want to take the kids to Oktoberfest, and uh, they're like they think it's going to get canceled again. But 2022, they think that there's an opportunity for it. Well, we'll be there. <laughs> the Europeans just seem way more concerned about this COVID thing. Well, look at the Australians. Uh, like shocking, uh, shocking. They they, like, they used to be like such a cool culture, and now like what a bunch of pussies. Well, uh, <laughs> I, and I, like I don't, I don't mean the Australians themselves, but their government. Like, well, I mean, shit, acting like, like total I, pussies. But I mean, here here's the problem with the media. I don't know if what we're seeing is actually legitimate. I don't. Well, know I saw a video yesterday of them shooting people with rubber bullets. Yeah, just like walking up on protesters and just firing away. Like it wasn't like people are throwing bricks at them, and they're just standing out there protesting. They just walk up in a formation and start shooting them. Like that's Maoist kind of crap, but you know, just be real bullets be the only difference. But it's, I mean, those are less deadly, yeah. right? It's less lethal. Well, you, you can get still shot, kill. You can still kill somebody if you get shot bullet. in the face. There's a good chance you're yeah. dead. Yeah, um, you can just you can, there. There can be some unfortunate. I mean, you get shot in the neck, right? You get hit in the neck. It could cause a blood clot, stroke you out, kill you. You get shot in the eye. You probably lose an eye. You know. Um, is probably an opportunity for a certain person in certain at certain wrong range, you know, or to uh, penetrate the skin. What's Australia's uh, political like? I mean, are they a democracy? Are they a republic? Um, um, I don't know enough about it. I know they have a premier, prime minister. Yeah, so they're what you know, whatever the whatever the UK is. I guess the parliamentary system. So yeah, but they don't have a king or a queen. No, but they have the you know they have. A, you know, the same type of what do yeah, they call it? labor and uh, I forget what their other parties uh, called. Um, well, they have the Labor Party and then the uh, yeah, so the labor, the labor's are like uh, their Democrats, formerly known as a Commonwealth government. I've got DuckDuck go up instead of Google because I yeah. knew we were going to look up some yeah interesting things. There you go. So they have a constitutional monarchy. Yeah, and so they it, and they just gave up their free. Well, yeah, you know, they they. Took away all their guns and went the eighties, and then uh, well, they they had a mass shooting, right? So they had one, and then they convinced everybody to give away their guns. Yeah, and and, that, and then just recently they did something with their First Amendment right to free speech, just like they essentially gave that up and said, okay, like we won't do that. Um, 
and now they're where they're at. But it's not all of Australia. Like I have a buddy in Australia. Uh, he's up in like the Gold Coast, and he's mm-hmm. like, none of that shit's going on here. He's like, you know, we we walk back and forth to friends' houses and go to the go to the stores. And so like where is that happening? Is it? In I think Sydney? primarily Melbourne, but uh, Sydney as well. But uh, Melbourne, in my in my opinion, on my experience being there, it's kind of like the San Francisco of of there, and uh, and then uh, Sydney would be like the L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, there um perth is like san diego kind of and then uh that northern coast is kind of like northern california like more a little more redneck a little more country you know yeah um, we, we taught a bunch of seminars up in the north uh into in you know, on the gold coast and then also in sydney i've done perth brisbane and sydney and i i did gold coast i did not do perth but i did sydney I think Luke did Melbourne. Yeah, Luke did Melbourne. Perth, Perth's pretty cool. It's like, it's pretty, uh, pretty chill. Um, it's it's actually considered a sister city to San Diego. The skyline looks very similar. It's kind of like the uh, same. Yeah. Bay, the bay coming through is very similar. Yeah, but they call it the, they call it a river. I think um, you you almost lived there, didn't you? Almost, almost yeah. came close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good thing you didn't. Yeah, were you trying <laughs> to get away with somebody? Like, no, I was married to an Australian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we talked about splitting our time and never farthest place in the world, like most yeah. isolated place in the world, Perth. Yeah, most isolated city in the world. Closest city to Perth is Singapore, I think. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The yeah, no. I mean, that, that's the problem in today, and I think we've always talked about uh, you know the the aim of a disinformation campaign is so that you're not sure of what you're seeing. Right. It's, it's not necessarily to sway you one way or the other. It's just make you doubt. So when I see that, yeah. I'm like, is this real? Where is this happening? Is this happening everywhere? Yeah. I mean, we're there, aren't we? I'm like, I don't know where to find information I trust anymore. I need to I need to hear about something from five different angles before I'm willing to speak out on it anymore. Well, you saw the deal down at the border. I'm still asking, and nobody's been able to answer, answer me, how did like 15,000 Haitians get to I've been like asking Texas, that same question. It's like, 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 it's not a short trip no, from Haiti to wherever they landed Guatemala or whatever. And but, then how did they get from there? Like, like how are they at the, the Mexican border? I, I, I forget they're at the, it's, it's what the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, yeah. Del Rio. I think yeah, the name yeah, of the Del, town. Del Rio yeah. uh, at, at the bridge, but there's 15,000 Haitians. And I'm like, how did they get there? Right. It seems like a weird access point. Right. And then they were showing pictures of them on horseback and they're like, they're whipping them. I'm like, those are reins. Yeah. That's how you steer the horse. Right. And you know, that narrative didn't die. Even though people were like, uh, "Yeah, you New York City doofus," like that's the reins of a horse. That that's, that's how not you that that's not a whip. Uh, that didn't kill the narrative. It's like uh, Kamala or Kamala or whichever I don't know how the hell you're supposed to say her name. She's looking asking for an, an investigation, and then uh, whatever the other guys that who's the Secretary of State. No, I do. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, but well, they're they're like. They're they're pissed off and they're going to investigate these border patrol agents for patrolling the border because they you know they but can't, isn't she can't in, have any of that isn't she in charge of the border yeah and, and yeah and but that here's matter. another it's still thing. it's still it's probably Trump's fault so uh, mm-hmm. uh, the FBI or whoever was shot and killed uh, that veteran lady uh, in the White or when they stormed uh, yeah. uh, Congress Ashley Bennett. Yeah. yeah so they shot and killed her and there's been no investigation and no outrage no they investigated themselves. And they said, no, he's good. Like, oh, yeah, we did great. 
<laughs> yeah. Everything was by the book. So you basically shot an unarmed woman in the face. Yeah. Point blank. Point blank. A 120-pound, 5'2 woman where you could see both of her hands, and you shot her point blank in the neck. And, then, and, uh, and it's then, all good. All good. Yeah, no investigation. Take cops all around her. Cops behind her. She wasn't going anywhere. Didn't have any weapons. Like, yeah. But you can uh, kill her. There's a still photo of a guy on horseback trying to round up some Haitians that are, you know, thousands of miles away, uh, away from Haiti, and they're going to investigate. That. Well, yeah. I mean, so you have a Haitian who's breaking the law, and then you have a border patrol agent whose entire job is to prevent people from breaking the law of crossing it, and. If you're enforcing that law, you're being too aggressive, too violent, and it needs like it, they're literally going to investigate law enforcement agents for enforcing the law. Ooh, well, we can't have that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's true because they don't they don't want to enforce border laws. Uh, I mean, it, the like whatever's going on at the southern border. I mean, it's it, like I mean here here's the problem. I mean, we don't like. The media's portrayal of it, and like you said, you got to see it from five axis. But uh, you know, I just saw an interview with Ted Cruz, who took a bunch of uh, uh, you know senators and congressmen and people down there to see it, right? And they were shooting like live video of it, right? And it's legitimately, it's legitimate, like, yeah. like the media doesn't want to actually report on what it is because it's uh, a complete. It's, it's a bad narrative for the Biden administration. So, well, is there really any good? Is, is, no, is there they, any good they've narrative? Been, they've been carrying his water since the. Uh, you know, since the campaigning, remember when he remember when he sat in his basement all the time, and they gave him all the positive press in the world. He wasn't even talking to the press. Yeah. They've been carrying his water the whole time, and they try to protect him from every bad story. Well, and, and we know he's like we know he's fucking demented. Like there's there's not there's not a sane person on the planet who doesn't watch that guy well, and doctor, say like I can watch this decay, I can see his face, I as, know that's as, dementia. As a doctor, and you yeah. are a medical doctor, so you have the ability to speak as an expert. Yeah. Uh, and we've gone through this. I mean, there's different stages of dementia that they look at. Right. You know, I mean, those stages are. Yeah, I put me on the spot. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what is it? It's like. So, but, the, but there's features, something called what's called mask faces, right? So mask faces, like your face is like a mask. You, there's not the normal amount of ex expression. There's not a normal amount of facial muscle movement when you're talking. Uh, their eye, I mean, you've seen these in elderly people, their, their eyes actually start opening wider, their pupils dilate and they fix, they don't move as much, they don't blink as often. And then they have, they start, um, they start having problems talking. They, they kind of sound like they're garbling and slurring their speech. And you can just watch this happen. And you can go back to Biden a year ago and he was, he was starting that then, but you watch him talk now, it's like almost everything he says is slurred and garbled. I mean, it's very rare that he gets out a completely clear sentence. And you watch him talk, and it's he he has a look like on his face, like, "Oh my God, what's happening?" And that's that's what demented patients look like, right? Yeah. That's that. I mean, and then even the way he walks, right? Now he's you can watch him watch, and he kind of has like a shuffling gait, and his arms don't swing when he walks. Like that's yeah. all part, that's all part of that that neurological decline. And I don't say that to criticize him. Yeah. That's sad that yeah, that's uh, sad elderly that's, abuse. It is. It's elder abuse that they've just that they put that guy out there. Um <clears throat> and I've always been really pissed at his wife, thinking like You know, yeah, like why would you do that to your husband? Like let the dude go out with some dignity and just say, Look, you know, he's he's not ready for president. He can't be a president. But then, you know, I've heard the I've heard the uh, thought, well, maybe they're so owned by China that it was like, Hey, you're gonna you're going to make Biden president and like well, everybody kind of has to because whatever they have dirt on them or 
I, I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of speculation. So through, you know, we, we always have some really interesting friends and some clandestine individuals. And uh, a buddy that we know uh, is friends with, uh, obviously, the guys in the Secret Service. And one of the issues, because uh, the comet came up, like you notice how they like cut things yeah. and rush them out. Um, incontinence. Yeah, I've heard so that too. So they were, they were like, he's, yeah. you know, so like when they see something or they have, I, I don't know if it's a sensor or whatever, but they know, like, because they don't want to have that, you know, president wet himself on TV. Right. So well, and they like and cut it. And he's defecating on yeah. himself as well. Oh, my God. So he doesn't have the ability to control. And so they're saying that, like, you know, because they were like, well, they're trying to get him away from questions. They're like, no, they can't control himself. And right. It's like when we went and saw Ozzy Osbourne at Ozfest, during the entire set, he kept dumping buckets of water on himself. And oh, I'm like, he was pissing himself. Yeah, he kept pissing himself and wow. he was embarrassed. So he would go over and just dump these buckets of water and he was just soaking wet. Clever. And, uh, Let's and, see Biden do that. And so yeah. so I asked him, like, why the fuck is he dumping bottom? Like, because he's fucking pissing himself the entire time. Yeah. And he doesn't, they, they don't, he, he was embarrassed about it. So they just figured fucking let him dump buckets of water on himself. They're like, the amount of drugs that Ozzy has done, the fact that he's alive is a fucking modern miracle. So that was the piece. But um, <laughs> Well, it seems like what they taught us when we were kids in the 80s about drugs doesn't seem to be true. Because, I mean, what did they teach us about drugs? Well, they were bad and we were going to die they're going to kill us and like it's keeping the rolling stones like look at the rolling stones look at uh what's that, that keith uh what's keith, keith richards. richards keith richards like that dude's still alive right like yeah. he, um well uh, and Lenny, just died. Uh, yeah and what about willie nelson i mean dude the dude's <sighs> been baking dude. on pot his whole snoop life died, uh so they asked snoop has anybody ever outsmoked you have yeah. you ever smoked anybody else's like weed or like ever done anything where you felt like this person got me and he said yeah. one person willie nelson he said willie nelson smoked him to the point where he thought he was a little kid again well willie well he's got 30 years of experience on him right <laughs> well, yeah, it was charlie watts who was yeah. the rolling stones drummer yeah i mean uh, like the fact that lemmy lived as long as he did i mean the guy would crack a bottle of jack daniels first thing in the morning and would finish it every single day yeah well and and yeah and you contrast that to like you know, my buddy, or, you know, who's been on your podcast, who died a few weeks ago at 50 years old, who doesn't do any drugs, hardly even drinks, you know, works out, tries to take care of himself. And so what you're saying is bam. nobody fucking knows. Nobody knows. That's, but the, do, that's so unfortunate. Like, don't you think there's a little bit of like genetic selection for those guys? I think there's a ton of it. Like uh, it's called the Mickey Mantle gene. OK. Party hard. Still at peak performance. No matter what, you don't you don't need sleep, Doc. It's overrated. Yeah, well, it's probably true for the Mickey Mantle gene. I mean, look at uh, Nikki Six had like what overdosed and died numerous times. They brought him back, and like I like like he like like they legitimately put out that Nikki Six died. He like they put that out. He comes back to life, walks out of the hospital, and like fans are out there like crying, like putting out flowers, and they walk out and they see him, and he gets these chicks to drive him home. Yeah, like he, I mean, the stories of Nikki Six are epic. Well, maybe it's like. Uh it's like anything else you know it's like stress testing the system it comes back stronger you know like tear tear up your muscles when you work out they come they build back stronger so you know die a few times come back stronger like maybe i'll live to be a couple hundred years old well what uh um my only thing with drinking and like i like like and i listened to all this partying i mean these guys have partied just an epic amount like i i i have no concept of all the crazy shit that they've done uh, when we were at the the collective, you know, some of the coaches got up, and one of the guys who's with one of our block one coaches collective speakers got up and talked about like um, the drugs that he had done and kind of this you know trials and tribulations as the journey went on. That was Colby, uh, Colby Wardman. 
Um, I'm not calling him out by, you know, but he's, he's pretty forthright with it. But man, he gave an incredible talk. But when we were rapping at the bar after, he was like, oh yeah, no, I took, you know, I used to do this. And uh, he goes, I used to smoke this and this. And he went through the whole thing and he goes, I could go to football practice. And people didn't know that I was fucked up, even though I'd taken 20 or 30 pills and I'd done X. And like, I'm like, man, if you give me a Vicodin, I go lay down on the corner and go to sleep. That's why I don't take that stuff. So I wonder if there's like a gene where somebody has just an incredible tolerance and the ability to, you know, I mean, I like, I've seen people drink 20, 30 beers and be absolutely fine. I have like two or three drinks and I'm like a ninja blow dart hits me. Well, I mean, think of somebody like Rogan. Like Rogan can do like a hyper intellectual uh, podcast and be articulate and have a great memory for facts and all this stuff while being stoned and does it all the time. And like whether he's stoned or not, he performs essentially the same. Do you think it's because he's gone out and he's probably gone out and done so much stand up high and not high that he can just basically travel between the two? I, I think that there's a I think there's a huge disparity in that particular instance and in, uh, cannabinoid receptors in, in your brain. So, you know, like we know very clearly that marijuana affects people drastically different. Like some people completely hallucinate on marijuana. Some people get super tired. Some people get energized by it. But I mean, isn't that the strain? Um, we, well, the, the, we strain, the strain matters too, but, you know, cannabinoid receptors were found in the brain because marijuana existed. And so when they were... When they're testing what the what effect marijuana has on the brain, they're like, "Oh, there's these receptors that seem to respond to marijuana." But we make our own cannabinoids, right? And so then, like those those aren't there for smoking marijuana; those are there for a physiologic function. And the density and types of cannabinoid receptors you have in different regions of your brain is is you know it's varied genetically as your physical body type. You know, it's like what you look like. So what marijuana does to your brain, my brain, his brain would could all be compl- so drastically different that it wouldn't even seem like the same drug. Damn. And I, I know for me, like I, d- I don't like marijuana. Like most of the time, like most of the times I've tried it, it just kind of makes me feel really dumb. Like I, like I can't think straight and I just, I'm just sitting there frustrated, like trying to think I can't even formulate thoughts. I can't talk very well. Uh, a few times just made me like super giggly. Never, never enjoyed it. But, completely non-functional in it i mean the smallest mountain i'm completely incapacitated i couldn't have a conversation to save my life but then there's other people like you know in high school those guys the stoners didn't have a chance to build up lifelong resistance like they just started smoking pot and they come to school and get straight a's and like work hard and get all the work done it's like i do i I, I don't think i could write my name i played i played with guys that smoked before every football game yeah and they went out there and fucking crushed it uh i can't drugs drugs are especially like drugs that come from plants like if you think of all the psychedelics that you know they call the plant medicines and marijuana like things that actually exist on the planet uh they like they're they're a trip like they have so many effects i mean it it's uh it's immeasurable it's it's a pun they're a trip they're a trip yeah yeah that is kind of punny um yeah i mean but you look at the what they try to study the effects of these things on the brain you can't isolate it because you have millennia you know uh, of uh of you know thousands hundreds of thousands maybe millions of years of evolution depending on where you were geographically and what your ancestors ate and where you moved to and all that other stuff that changes 
you know, the makeup of these type of receptors in your brain. So, uh, you know, everybody does these psychedelics and has similar experiences, but when you actually study their brain, like when you try to look at things objectively, there's no, there's no discernible pattern. So, uh, Dr. You can't say like, oh, it's stimulating this region of the brain and it's quieting this region of the brain. Maybe, but it could be exactly the opposite in somebody else. Uh, Dr. Heyman just did a huge uh, study on marijuana and they, they yeah. actually had people uh, smoke uh, or edibles. I forgot what the, what the medium was. And then they were putting them right into CT scans and MRIs and basically scanning the brain <clears throat> and seeing what, the, what happened on the function. And they noticed universally uh, decreased blood supply and yeah. blood flow. Those, are, the those are spec scans that he does, SPECT, spec scans, and they're looking deliberately at the blood flow. Um, and I'm 99% sure that was smoking. Um, yeah. And it basically inhaling anything seems to de diminish blood flow uh, to the brain, but it does it chronically with marijuana. So it's not just like right after you smoke it. It's if you smoke it frequently, you could go a week without smoking it and you'd still have the decreased blood flow. So it's not a reaction to actually smoking then. It's, it's changing um, It's changing your either your vascular patency, like how wide open things are or I don't know, blood pressure in the brain or causing inflammation in the brain that's closing off. So his, uh, so what he theorized is based upon the research that they found in the study they just released that he felt that smoking marijuana was not advantageous for people that have some form of, uh, you know, brain or uh, disorder like ALS or, right. you know, anything. I know Turley's, you know, been on this idea that cannabis will save football. And, uh, you know, and I, I think it's a better option for uh for pain management let's say instead of opiates mm -hmm. i mean the opiate crisis is fucking out of control so I, I agree with him in that way but the idea that it'll somehow fix your brain and cure some of these you know als dementia and whatnot i mean all these other different issues going off the brain so um i mean really amon's piece is the only thing i've seen that actually legitimately says hey this is what we saw here's the research yeah i, I saw him present that a couple of years ago in a in a traumatic brain injury conference i was at and i, I saw that data um, and it was the same, it was the same for cigarette smoking actually too. Um, and then I think alcohol had, it was a different pattern, but it had like some significant blood, uh, I think to the prefrontal cortex, diminished blood flow, which makes sense. Yeah. So if, if an individual, um, you know, I, I know that not only an expert in many things like, uh, you know, hormones and manipulating that and sleep and all that, but in terms of like, uh, you know, uh, traumatic brain injury, which, you know, with the start of NFL football and college and all that is right. kind of gets pushed at the forefront. Uh, you know, we've, you know, you and I have talked at great lengths about, you know, different things that individuals could implement to limit and potentially fix that type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if I could only choose a single modality, I would say hyperbarics, right? Uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, because you can, you can get oxygen supply to areas where you don't have vascular supply, right? You don't have blood flow to that area. And so, um, basically what, basically what the TBI is doing is it's causing enough inflammation to where it's causing a, a bit of your brain to become necrotic. So that tissue is actually dying off and we don't regenerate brain tissue very well. Uh, nerves do grow back. Like if, if we live to be 3000 years old, you could probably go from being a paraplegic to walking again, but they, they regenerate at such a slow rate that it's, you know, it's, it's as though we, they don't really regenerate. Um, now you can, you can accelerate that by increasing, um, uh, you know, various, uh, proteins, uh, in the brain and, uh, peptides in the brain. Um, 
so uh, hyperbarics increases um, myelinization, so laying back down the myelin protection, but it, and it's doing that by putting but myelin is the sheath that runs around yeah, the nerves. Yeah, and it allows That's things to, to fire faster. It, it accelerates how, how quickly nerves conduct. Um, so when you have a region of the brain that's becoming necrotic, um, you think about it's just a small area, but if it doesn't get blood supply and all the inflammation around it, it's damaging, right? And so it just it can grow over time and it becomes avascular. And once you don't have blood supply to it, it's like a diabetic foot ulcer or something, but it's in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so now you basically have a dead region of your brain. Um, and that can cause other inflammatory reactions and other inflammation in the brain just because you have essentially, you know, it'd be like having feces in the corner of your room over there. You, you, you would react to it every time you're in the room, it would, it would change the environment. And it, it's the same thing. Cause well, it's, yeah, it's uh, shitting in the corner. <coughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, and it's a dead tissue. So it's causing, it's causing different physiologic effects in the brain. Um, so the, by, by when you do hyperbarics, so ordinarily we can only carry oxygen on our hemoglobin, right? Mm -hmm. And so once, once your hemoglobin is hundred percent saturated, it doesn't matter how much oxygen you have to breathe, right? Like there's no other place to put it until you go under pressure. Once you go under pressure, you can actually crush oxygen bubbles down into the bloodstream and they Where can plasma. Yeah. yeah in, the, in the plasma. So they're, it's floating around the plasma. It's not bound to hemoglobin. And it can drift out of the it can just drift out of the blood supply and go anywhere. And so once you have an, that enough, you're putting enough oxygen pressure, uh, and you're breathing 100% oxygen. So the partial pressure of oxygen is five times higher than on the surface, um, and and you're crushing it down to these bubbles that are drifting out to all sorts of tissue, and they can actually repair. Um, now there is free radical oxidative damage. So you have to limit. You have to. You know, there's a fine line. If you if you do too much of this, you can actually damage neurological tissue because of all the oxidation going on. Uh, but that would be my, that would be my number one thing that I would say you should do. Uh, number two, I, I would, you know, I'd say probably, um, NAD, uh, so NAD, um, IV infusion, um, the, that, that increases, uh, BDNF as well, which is, uh, is it once a week or daily or, uh, the, I would say probably weekly for most people. Uh, and usually you don't do NAD by itself. You know, you're, you're doing other, other things to replenish uh, neurological tissue. Um, you know, the, the full spectrum IR saunas with the, all the way from near to far IR and those, uh, those, have, those have proven to be effective. I think, you know, we, I want to, I want, uh, I've been wanting to talk to Tom Seeger about that, the inventor of the, um, uh, that one cold bath, I can't ever pronounce the name. It's like KO, yeah. KO something. Yeah. Uh, Rogan's got one now, and so they're they're big. But I, I talked to him when he was first launching, and we've talked about uh, some of his anecdotal sort of experience with that. It looks like there's a it looks like there's a good chance that 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 does similar functions uh, can 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 uh, increase BDNF. I think it's like a physiologic stress that's something our ancestors would have experienced that you can recover from without needing like rehab. So something like an ice bath, that's a hell of a physiologic stressor and you can come out and you can recover by yourself. Uh, it looks, and you know, things like hit training, you know, that 
it's a physiologic stressor that you can recover from by yourself. You don't need rehab to recover from. Like these things tend to improve, you know, blood supply, hormones, peptides, like inflammation, all like all these things that we know are at the base of Neolithic disease. Um, and I mean, you can just keep going down the line. I mean, <clears throat> there's thing there's things that we know improve the function of the brain, but don't necessarily improve the rehabilitating and re regenerating uh, um, brain tissue. Um, and that's and that's a really hard thing to study. I mean, the reason, as you know, is like um, we're getting better with fMRI if fMRIs. We have higher resolution, and now there's a now there's a uh, I think it's a it's a pet a pet scan combined with an MRI or something, so they can watch the consumption of glucose in your brain while challenging you to do things, so they can actually look at brain function. So we're getting we're getting better at being able to tell, but it's it's kind of it's still kind of like astronomy where uh, they're looking at changes in the sky because they can this dark spots blocking that light spot they can presume that there's they they can't see the dark spot but they can presume that this body's there and that's mm -hmm. kind of that's kind of like what we're doing with the brain injuries and that's why most of what we know is from the autopsies right once guy once nfl guys start shooting themselves in the chest and the seals started shooting themselves in the chest too and they're suiciding and then you pull it out and you dissect the brain you go oh, okay here's where all the damage is and this is the pattern that's really common how, how we can't that, do that with imaging yet. How does that uh, tau protein, like how does tau protein play into this? So the tau protein and the beta amyloid both, um, they're both sort of inflammatory protective proteins. So it's like um, when you, so like the reason you have a calcium score when you have atherosclerosis is uh, atherosclerosis is inflammatory, right? So you have, you have um, things that are, wedging themselves in between the cracks of the, the you know sort of the tiles it would be like where the grout of tile is of, of the tunnel that's your blood vessel things wedge themselves in there and they cause an inflammatory response <clears throat> and then that inflammatory response can you know lay down you know fibrin and it can you know bring in other inflammatory cells and all this other stuff and you start getting an occlusion but but your body or you know probably probably a better a, a better example most of your audience would know about is when you go when you go see your gp and you get an x-ray of something and they say you have a bone spur mm -hmm. nobody builds a fucking bone spur like why would your body go oh we're going to build a bone over here that doesn't happen it's it's calcif it's calcification of the tendon or it's it's or, uh, um the inflammation ends up calcifying yeah, over time. right so what happens what your body does with with what your body does with chronic inflammation is it your immune system gets tired of fighting it and it's like we're fighting the same damn battle every day let's build a brick wall around it and so you lay down a bunch of calcium and now we don't have to fight it anymore and that's what calcium scores are when you look at your when you look at your uh and that's what a bone spur is it's just you have this chronically inflamed tendon that your body's trying to repair every day and you're using it every day it just keeps being more and more inflamed it's like hell that let's just lay a bunch of calcium down on there then we don't have to deal with this this problem anymore and when you do a calcium score that's just calcified inflammation in your in your bloodstream the brain doesn't do that the brain lays down tau proteins and beta amyloid proteins but it's it's essentially the same process and that and that's increased not only by trauma but that's increased by you know it can be increased by drug use anything that kind of destroys the metabolism or the metabolic state of your brain it's well known to be associated with sleep deprivation so 
the more the more you deprive yourself of sleep because you know when you go to sleep the astrocytes the that provide the structure of the brain it's like the scaffolding of the brain those cells shrink down by 30 percent, and they create pathways for your for your cerebral spinal fluid to flow through there and get rid of waste products um, i always tell people that you know your cells are just a smaller version of you they take in nutrients and they produce waste just like you take in food and you have to urinate and you know defecate and your cells do the same thing and it just builds up in the brain if you don't sleep you don't sleep enough you don't get restorative sleep and that builds up and now you have waste products in your brain which is going to eventually cause an inflammatory response around it and that could be the source of your beta amyloid or your tau proteins or any of that other stuff so it it's really just an inflammatory marker just like calcification so those aren't actually causing anything those are just telling us that this process is going on all the time so if an individual was um, like like how would they go about kind of doing the detective work to figure out if this is a real problem because you know our buddy john had a calcium score of zero uh, you know, he went through all of his, you know, workup. I mean, you got his hormones all balanced and you worked with him and he was moving in the right direction and that. And then, yeah. you know, here he is and has this kind of fluke heart attack and ends up passing away. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing that John could have done uh, would have would have been to get a, a CT angiogram with. So like a contrast study where they actually like put some radio, they put radioactive uh, die die through his bloodstream and watch it on a CT scan and, and see that the vessels were narrowed because he just you know the, the problem with uh, those soft plaques including your vessels um, again that's just inflammation on the wall and you're and there's there's some connect there's some a non-inflammatory tissue like the fibrinogen it's, a, it's you know, think of it kind of like collagen you know but it, it's being laid down in, in these inflammatory plaques none of that's going to show up on a calcium score um and if he's uh if, if if he compensates well enough like with his fitness and doesn't press himself in the right way to where he's showing some sort of arrhythmia or like or something that's giving a cardiologist the sign that there's problems with their heart um the only way the only way you're going to detect that is through a ct angiogram but that's not that's not a insignificant amount of a radioactive uh material so like if you do that all the time it's pretty dangerous it's not like you want to go get that done every year so i'd like you'd have to talk to a really smart cardiologist who's into preventive you know medicine on that to know what the right protocol is i like i wouldn't know but i've had a ct angiogram just because i didn't trust the calcium score and so at sure. 45 i had a 46 i think i had a calcium score of zero but i had a ct angiogram as well that should you know no occlusions so like n no narrowing no occlusions. so um but i'm probably still going to get another one in, in a few years like i'm probably gonna get one like every close to every 10 years um but that doesn't mean that i won't die of heart attack in between there you know so like as a 45 year old uh which i'm approaching i mean what would you recommend i mean you know everybody's talking about you know going to get your prostate checked uh, you know, angiogram, I mean, all these other kind of tests. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, what's good is I have 20 years of, uh, of blood work and like looking for different trends and just got all those neural markers done, which is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, the American medical association and, you know, uh, the American heart association, and all those guys, they, they put all sorts of protocols, um, for monitoring things on an age base. Um, 
I, I mean, I would do it in a more individualized thing, right? So if, if like you've never, if you've never been a pugilist, right? Uh, what, for our listeners, what's a pugilist? A Some, so, somebody who gets struck in the face. So a martial artist that gets kicked in the face or yeah, striking. If you're getting struck in the head or football player or a uh, rugby player or soccer player or, you know, military with a uh, concussive, um, explosive forces around you. Like if you've had all of that, I would do a lot of, I do a lot of brain <laughs> evaluation. I would do a lot of neurological evaluation because that's more likely to cause you problems than anything else you're doing. Um, and we know that the brain controls essentially everything, right? It controls sure. all your, it controls all your hormones, which are really controlling whether you're anabolic or catabolic. And if you're repairing or getting, you know, eating yourself and getting worse, um, and it also, to a large degree, controls your inflammatory response. So, if that were, if that's, if you, if you are somebody who's been doing that your whole life, I'd say, I'd put more, I'd, I'd put way more importance on that than somebody who's like, you know, maybe hit their head a couple of times in life. Okay, that's not a big issue for you. But if you look at the num, you know, the top three killers, it's like heart attack, stroke, and cancer. Like seventy five, eighty percent of us are going to die from one of those three things. So the most uh, preventable ones are, well, you can't prevent them, but the, the, the most responsive things that, that you can monitor would be the heart attack and stroke, because that's essentially cardiovascular, uh, perhaps coagulopathies. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say you probably don't, if you have a family history of premature heart attacks, you know, so people you know, uh, I'd have to look that up. I've, it's been a long time since I looked it up. I, th I think it's 60 or 65. So if a male dies before 60 or 65, that's considered premature. So if you have family history of that, I do some really legitimate, you know, really legitimate. Um, I, I would go as far as a CT angiogram, you know, or probably mid 40s to early 50s. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. Uh, but definitely I'd get a calcium score. Definitely get a cardiac echo. Because like what happened with, well, you know what happened with John with the autopsy was that he had had a heart attack before that heart attack because he had some uh, what's necrotic called tissue. necrotic and granulation tissue. So he was repairing a region of his heart. So if it was a large enough region, which I don't know if it was, I haven't seen the autopsy. This is word of, word of mouth. But um, if, if, uh, if, he, if there's a large enough region that's necrotic, that, that cardiac tissue quits functioning properly, right? So you can do an echo, essentially an ultrasound of the heart, and you can watch the heartbeat, and you can watch the blood flow through it, and you can see that the wall's moving abnormally. You can say, oh, there's damage to that heart muscle right there. And that, now we can start evaluating it further. And then you do a CT angiogram, and you like count with the blood. Well, like, even if they had done all that, found that he had a heart attack, what would they have done to save him? Well, there's medications that they could give that's going to increase the contractility of, of the heart muscle he has. So it'll, it'll pump a little harder. Um, and while actually ironically kind of slows down the heart muscle and it, and it, it's, it's sparing energy wise, um, they could, you know, it, I mean, a primary care sort of general practitioner wouldn't do these sorts of things, but there are th like, there are peptides that you can, that you can give, uh, there's therapies that you can do that increase, um, which call collaterals. So you have major, major arteries that feed your heart tissue. And if those start getting occluded, you'll build smaller 
blood vessels around them. You can build like all these small footpaths around it. So you think about like having like a major highway, but it gets blocked off and you have a bunch of footpaths around it and you can provide blood supply in a similar way. Um, there's, you know, cardiac rehab where they, you know, actually sort of train people on it's sort of like PT where they're monitoring your heart rate and your cardiac function on EKGs, like while you're exercising and increasing your exercise threshold. Um, because most of the time, this wasn't true with John, but most of the time people have a heart attack, there's, there's a, there's a stress on their heart that they can't handle. So it's like, um, all these people who go and run 10 miles a day at this steady heart rate, there's some benefit to that, but it, people don't die from having a heart rate of 130 for two hours. They die from the heart rate of 165 when they try to move their refrigerator by themselves mm -hmm. or, you know, they carry, they carry something heavy up the stairs with, you know, with somebody else. And that's when like, that's what their heart can't handle. Cause like now that's, we need a hundred percent of cardiac function. Whereas when you're operating at a maximum heart rate of say 70 and you're doing low, slow cardio, you're engaging 70% of your heart, right? Like it's 70% of your heart's capacity. When you do something like HIIT training, you're going to maximum heart rate. Or lifting heavy weights. Or lifting heavy weights. Like when you lift really heavy, your your blood pressure goes through the roof. You're, I mean, especially you think some like deadlifts and squats, like heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, where you have a full body tension going on there. It's maximum heart rate. Like it, your body is, because it has to push past the pressure of the muscle to get blood supply in there. So you need way more blood pressure. You need way more contractility of the heart. And so that heart rate of 165, 175, you know, depending on how old you are, is like the maximum your heart can do. You're using 100% of your cardiac function. And if you do that for a few minutes a day, every day, you're, you're building a resiliency and a capacity to do that. Um, so there, there's, there's benefits, you know, there's benefits to both, but I think there's more benefit to the episodic maximum heart rate than there is to the long sustained cardio. The long sustained cardio is better for sort of metabolic fitness. Than, yeah, I mean, you, you know, building a big aerobic base. I mean, right. but, but it, you can't just purely do that. You have to do it. It, it has to be in a you know mixed modal kind of training system right. where you're training like obviously you're lifting weights. You're doing some conditioning, some uh, you know hit type stuff, and you're also doing a little bit of uh, aerobic base. And you know, I mean, what we recommend somewhere around three or four times a week is more is usually more than ideal um is this even more prevalent today than it was in this COVID environment i mean we were talking about uh spike proteins and you know COVID, and especially like uh you know seeing all this pulmonary edema I right mean, uh, the amount of guys that i've seen in their 50s that are having heart attacks has gone through the roof right uh and that pulmonary edema uh, could be a major player i'm wondering if COVID or the vaccine or anything you know we've seen kind of plays into that yeah so um COVID and the vaccine, both are doing it. And it's, um, and it, and it's thought to be because the spike protein itself is acting as an antigen. So you're, you're obviously that's why you're giving a vaccine, right? A vaccine is a partial, a partial viral infection that causes a partial uh, immune response. Sure. Um, and so these spike proteins are acting like antigens, which just means something that your immune system doesn't like. That's not part of you that you're, it's going to irritate your immune system and your immune system's going to fight it. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> what the data is showing is about 30% of people. So the idea of the vaccine is that they're going to inject it into your deltoid. It's going to, the MRNA is going to, you know, it's going to be transcribed in this, in the muscle cells of your, uh, 
of your deltoid and, and it's and once once those cell once enough spike proteins so the the cells themselves will they have a little machines that i'm called ribosomes they produce proteins the mrna and they put it in that's just like a little it's a little transcript it's a little information strip right and that little information strip gets read by a ribosome and it says okay got it it's like think of it as like a 3d printer or something like you give it a, you give it a little bit of information and it prints out this spike protein and then just stays there inside the cell and then you do another one and another one and then you get so many of them that it that cell ruptures and then it dumps spike protein all into the blood and it's supposed to stay locally i don't really know how it's supposed to stay local but apparently it does the majority of the time but so it stays local in the deltoid and the deltoid and but isn't it, it doesn't explode doesn't it get in the bloodstream and systemically it just travels i mean that that's that's the way it this way it has to work right because you you're building an immune response to it i don't know if when it I don't know if because you're putting it in the muscle, it's not being taken up into the into the bloodstream, and it's just staying in, in, in the interstitium, the fluid between cells. I don't I don't know the physiology of how that's supposed to work. But could, could they tell? And this is, uh, I mean, so for example, if somebody got the vaccine, could you do blood? Could you take blood and tell whether or not the person had the vaccine? Yes. Yeah. So. Then, is, is that for all or just this mrna but, but that would mean that it's traveling because well so there's there's another phenomenon of the vaccine um that's causing platelets to be really sticky and they do with they form something that's called a rouleau formation so think of like the you know stacking up chips in vegas so your red blood cells stack up like that and they and instead of just being free floating and randomly around they're floating around in these big stacked columns which means that you're hypercoagulable and you're more likely to but because it's only happening at the platelet level um yeah, i say red blood cells i meant platelets so they're 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 stacking up and it, it since it's happening at the platelet level it's mainly microvascular so it's like super super small vessels like in your kidneys and in your retina and in your penis so probably there's some truth to this impotence thing and other oh you mean the maniki menage with yeah, the uh, yeah. the testicles exploding right, right um and well the other and uh, what i was going to say is the other thing that they so th this how I crazy is that i have fucking white oh oh so Nicki minaj just to tell you yeah. came out and i guess uh, one of her cousins in trinidad was at a wedding where the groom got the vaccine and his balls shrilled up and basically is like you know all this man equipment uh and the wedding was called off so the bride called it off so she was like hey you guys need to you know those of you guys getting the vaccine need to check yourself and more importantly like know what the fuck you're putting in your bodies and uh, do your own research she yeah said, because which is his the, testicles exploded i don't know if they exploded no, but they fuck. they got real big and right. so uh at that point the liberal media you know whatever it was started attacking her and the White House, which is hilarious. That made her an anti-vaxxer because she said yeah. you should do your own research and know what's going on. So then the White House had to have a press conference. And like my favorite part was the dude that was like, so you're telling me these motherfuckers are this ridiculous that they got to have a White House press conference about Nicki Minaj. Right. And she's like, kind of a big deal, John. Well, she's got like 100 million Instagram followers. She has more Instagram followers than I think than like the, the White House does. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's fucking crazy. But uh, they, they started coming at her, and then CNN sent people down to Trinidad and this whole deal, and they said her family was on lockdown, and she basically was calling these people out, being like, you don't want to fuck with me. I run this bitch. I mean, Mickey Minaj is now uh, like in like the right-wing 
activist camp. So like if you would have told Even me- Even though she's a BLM supporter and like total no. leftist and it's like- So here's the deal. Yeah. You can do all that stuff. Yeah. But, but you disagree you once, narrative, you're yeah. fucking Any, Anything you disagree with. So so now she's a, uh, a right-wing shill and, yeah. you know, Car- or a, a Tucker Carlson. I mean, it's just like, it's fucking insanity. Yeah. So, so where I was going with that is the, the, the 30% of the time that it is leaking out, they're finding it in microvascular. So when I was saying the impotency thing, if you think about, you know, the, the, the tissue that makes your penis erect, it's called the corpus cavernosum. And it's just, it's like a little sponge, but it, and then you fill that sponge up with a lot of fluid and then you block it from being able to return out. The more pressure you put in there, you're making the sponge really hard. And then it has like a, a, sheath, a, a right. sheath on the outside called Buck's fascia. That's like three times thicker than most fascia that doesn't expand. And so you just make that sponge really tight inside that sheath. Well, if, if you can cause microvascular damage with these spike proteins, you could potentially cause microvascular damage and the corpus cavernosum in the cells and black and block the blood flow going in mm-hmm. or block the blood flow coming back out causing priapism, which can damage your penis as well. Right. Um, but what they've also, what they have found, unequivocally is that when these spike proteins do get out which they they're uh the most recent data i've heard is around 30 percent of the time it looks like the it's leaking out to the entire body the spike proteins are accumulating where you'd expect them to with these microvascular so in the kidneys which you have you know because you're going down to a ton of a ton of capillaries that are you know balancing the salts in your blood with uh, with the plasma or the, the fluid of your blood, and like getting rid of the right amount of water, um, so that you know kidneys are crazy amount. Like that's all they are is essentially a bunch of little capillaries, and then adrenals, which are also have a bunch of tiny capillaries, um, and ovaries and testicles, because ovaries and testicles essentially is the same organ. So there's a really good chance that if those spike proteins were to keep accumulating. They could cause inflammation. And if they get enough inflammatory response inside the ovary, inside the testicle, you probably can disable that, you know, or seriously impair that organ's ability to do its job. Now, how long is that going to last? Is that permanent lifelong thing? You're going to completely destroy your ovaries and testicles if this happens to you? We don't know. Because we haven't done research. Because we don't have, don't have the time. Well, we, we don't have the time. <laughs> right. It, not enough time has passed. It's not that we don't have enough time in the day. And I, I tell people this all the time. It's like developing a vaccine does not take a long time. It's done in weeks to months. You can develop a vaccine. They developed the, this current vaccine. Pfizer you know, decoded it and figured out how to make the vaccine in like two or three days. Um, it wasn't a big deal. It's like the reason it takes so long is because you have to test it. You have to test it for efficacy and you have to test it for safety. And it takes a long freaking time to figure out how safe it is. Um, and that's why, you know, what, 30 or 40% of all drugs that get approved get pulled off the market eventually because like, oh, turned out to cause cancer or sure. turned out to cause blindness. Or Look at, um, uh, what was the uh, anti-inflammatory Vioxx? Vioxx, yeah. So they used to hand out Vioxx like candy. Yeah, like uh, this dude, stuff's great, man. Like no dude, no, no stomach problems, no kidney problems, great. Dude, dude the, uh, the effect, like I, I st- distinctly remember people hoarding Vioxx because mm-hmm. once they took it off the market, it was like, I mean, guys had, had uh, you know, tons of pills and it was like they were rationing it. Because, dude, legitimately, you take Vioxx and you felt like a million dollars. Right. I mean, you, you can take all the Aleve and Tylenol and everything. Vioxx was hands down the best, but it, was cause, it wasn't it causing pulmonary edema yeah. as well. And people yeah. were dying from it. 
And then, yeah, and then the other thing, the other the other place where you have a ton of capillaries is in the lungs, right? Because you have these little alveoli, these little air sacs, where you're getting down to this air sac that's so small that uh, capillaries that wrap around it that carry a single a single red blood cell at a time, you know, can go like can go and do a loop around this. That's how small these uh, air sacs are. But you think about you have billion of these little air sacs with all of these capillaries around them and if that spike protein is causing inflammation and blocking off those capillaries well now it doesn't matter how much oxygen is inside that air sac it can't get into the bloodstream it can't get its oxygen from that air sac onto the red blood cell because the red blood cell can't get down the capillaries because it's occluded and then that leads to inflammation and then you start leaking osmotically you start leaking what's in the blood vessels into the air sac and that's the pulmonary edema and that's what killing people and they put people in ventilators it's not doing any good because there's fluid in there and you can't you can't just pressurize and put more oxygen you could run 100 percent oxygen in there if you wanted to it's not going to do anything because it's, it can't get to the red blood cell so all they're trying to do is like use whatever part of the lungs is left uh, that isn't uh, edematous and put you know more pressure in there and hope that the immune response is going to kick in so um i forgot what the question was that got us on all of this but uh, Nicki minaj yeah uh, which is hilarious. Tex has been pecking on that. He can't believe that Nicki Minaj is now a right wing. Uh, 158 million. 158 million Instagram, Instagram followers. Don't and even get me started on is, TikTok, John. Is, isn't, uh, isn't how many does she have on TikTok? I don't know. I guess oh, don't get it, me started because I don't know. Oh, okay. It, isn't 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 that amazing? Because it, it, it's not it's not like it's not like we're a bunch of hillbillies, you know, in the swamp in Louisiana. It's like we're 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 pretty. Uh, you know, tech savvy guys that know a lot of people in the world. And I had no idea who Nicki Minaj was before this thing you happened. You didn't know who Nicki Minaj no, was? No, why was that? I have no uh, idea who that is. I know, uh, um, I know Nicki Minaj because. But do your daughters listen to her? No, 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 but uh, I also, um, you know, listen to. Uh, so when we wake up in the morning, my wife turns on the radio and it's like whatever, like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like whatever the top music is. And Nick, Nicki Minaj has had a couple big songs. Gaia. And so that's how I know who she is. And then I think I saw her. Uh, she was on. I, I forgot how. You know, whatever. I, I. But the reason I remember her is uh, she is like the weirdest looking body I've ever seen. Oh, like to the point where like this wouldn't have existed. Like it's either plastic surgery or whatever it is, but it it doesn't exist in nature because she couldn't like run from anything. Like her like. Like waist like this, hips like this, like like it's she's such a weird shape that I remember being like, what is? I mean, she's uh, she's built really really interesting, like yeah, to the point I'm, where like if something bad was chasing her, she ain't getting away. I, I'm probably handicapped by the fact I've been listening to the same music for 30 years. So there's yeah. a really interesting phenomenon <laughs> with, with music where uh, the music like like there's a time in, in an individual's life where they're most like most receptive for music, and whatever you listen to at that point crystallizes you right. forever. It's like your haircut, right? It's like whatever your haircut was like in your <laughs> late 20s, like that's what you die with. That's the yeah. same haircut you keep well, going with. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's why when I hear Metallica's, you know, uh, Master of Puppets or I hear the Black Album or Led Zeppelin. Or, and why Ben Crookston just loves himself some Train. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Train was past that for me. So, uh, but like, I mean, there, dude, I remember we listened to a ton of EDM music in college. Like, I mean, we called it, you know, techno or dance or whatever. And I still put that on the time. Like if I'm in the kid or in, when I drive my kids to school, I put on, uh, uh, what is it? BPM? Sandstorm. Yeah. What's that just, one? It's just Blade versus Sandstorm. <laughs> 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 
and we listen to Blade versus Sandstorm, <laughs> and the kids are like, ah. Oh. I know where we were going. Is there more cardiac disease now during the yeah? Well, oh, that was the question. Yeah, my yeah. question was, do you think that uh, people like we were talking about aerobic fitness and training, right, right. all the other stuff pieces? Uh, do you think that this is more front and center than it's ever been? Yeah. And and here is the most concerning thing, and I just learned this yesterday. So you, you've probably all heard about the risk of uh, myocarditis or myopericarditis, the inflammation of the heart in teenagers. Mm-hmm. So teenage males, six times more likely to get myocarditis or myopericarditis, which is just like the inflammation of the lining of uh, the the little the lining that lines the heart that could get in that can be inflamed and you can actually get fluid in between the lining and the, and the muscle itself, or you can get inflammation of the heart muscle. So that's the that pericardium is the lies next to it. And then there's the cardiac muscles. So you can get inflammation kind of through any of that and it, it impairs cardiac function. Now, most of the time when you get myocarditis, that's a lifelong gig and the life expectancy of somebody who gets myocarditis is not that long, like six years or three to six years or something like that, I think on average, but most people get that, later on in life or they have like a serious infection or something um but six times more likely to get that as a as an adolescent to young male than you are to get seriously ill or die from covid so it's medically irresponsible to give that kid like and it's basically goes from i want to say like 13 to 20 that age group 14 to 20 maybe um sixfold six times more likely to give the kid myocarditis than you are for him to do nothing and let him risk COVID, right? So the odds are, right, and the the uh, risk evaluation of that is it's more risky to do the vaccine, you know, to do the vaccine. And and some of the powers that be have been admitting us and saying, okay, yeah, that's probably we should rethink this around, like we need to consider that, we need more data, but like it's looking like that might be the case. We probably we might want to pump the brakes on giving this. Well, the newest data uh, coming out of Israel, they, they're the front runners of the data because yeah. they, they had the highest vaccination rate. They were the first ones to do sure. it. Like sure. they got their whole country, they got 87% of the country done in like a few months, like revenue this came out. So they're months ahead of us. Their data is showing better than ours. Uh, and what they were saying was that actually it's 10 times the risk and it goes all the way up to 54 years old with an average age of 34. And this is for males because we know COVID is an androgen, highly androgen sensitive drug or uh, in, infection virus. So we don't really know why, but you know, giving people like anti-estrogens, like your anti-androgens, so you give them like males, you give them a, you know, you if you gave them estrogen or you give them something like finasteride, which decreases their dihydrotestosterone, Anything that's going to impair their ability to produce testosterone actually improves the likelihood that they're going to survive if they get really sick, or and it affects their risk of getting really sick. So, if you have ten, if you have a tenfold re, if you have a tenfold increase risk of myocarditis, all the way up to whatever it was, like 54 or 56 years old or something like that, again, it's medically irresponsible. It's unethical. And two years ago, year and a half ago. I would have lost my medical license, been successfully sued for millions of dollars and possibly gone to jail for doing something like that. Uh, but now we're saying, no, you have to do it. Like we're forcing people to do that. 
this is the most concerning thing to me about the entire thing. About I mean, there's a, there's a ton of ascientific stuff going on, but we're acting like natural immunity doesn't exist, and we're forcing vaccines on those people when we know that that not only is that more robust, is immunity is thirty times more robust. Uh, that's not insignificant, and if you have a if, if you if you even had like twice the risk of myocarditis over getting really sick and dying from COVID, it'd be medically responsible. But if you're talking about six to 10 times, if you ignore those two things, how can you say that you're being scientific? How can you say that this is about healthcare? This isn't about healthcare. Um, I don't know what it's about. It's very concerning to me, but it's not scientific. And you know, the everybody's heard the term in medicine First, do no harm. Yeah. So, isn't that the Hippocratic Oath? It's part of the Hippocratic yeah. Oath. So, if 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 doing nothing puts you at risk of some disease, that is okay for me to do as a doctor because I didn't do any harm to you. I didn't actively harm you. If I give you something, if I do, if I actively do something, I give you a pill, I do a procedure on you, I do surgery, like some, I do something to you that causes you harm, that's breaking my Hippocratic Oath. So if I give somebody a vaccine that I know has a higher probability of harming them than them getting the disease that I'm vaccinating them against, I shouldn't be allowed to be a doctor. I shouldn't be able to allowed to have a medical license, but exactly the opposite's happening. If I don't, if I talk out, so there, this is the new American Medical Association thing right now. So one of those guys could be listening to me right now and I can lose my medical license simply for talking negatively about COVID. If basically what the policy said was, uh, in so many, you know, they, they said it in, in political doublespeak, but essentially what they said is if you go against the CDC's narrative, which is tricky because the CDC's narrative flip-flops back and it forth changes, all the time. It changes constantly. So when was it? Like, you know, it, so at the time, if you go against their narrative at the time, uh, you're, you know, they're basically saying that you can be, you know, in, you know the legal term disbarred, or disbarred, or disbarred or, uh, or, but you, they're going to take away your medical license or take away your privileges or, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to do. Um, I'm 99% certain that I'll lose my California medical license for not getting vaccinated. But you don't live in California. I don't, but it's one of the licenses I hold. Oh, okay. um, so there's different laws in different states about like how you can do virtual and telemedicine and all well, that other stuff. So, so explain this to me. Um, you know, Roe Ro v. Wade happens. You know, geez, over you know, geez, fifty plus years ago, sixty years ago. Right. Um, you know, and that really opens up the idea for my body, my choice. Right. You know, which uh, you know allowed people to you know whether you, wherever you sit on the abortion debate. Um, you know, I believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit Nin of happiness. 1973. 1973. Okay. So just under 50 years ago, uh, 48 years ago. Um, the idea that, you know, my body, my choice was really the hallmark that came out of that decision for Roe v. Wade. Uh, as an individual, you know, obviously as a, as a man, like that's not something I necessarily like one-to-one, -one, but, you know, being involved in, you know, this uh, you know, having children. Well, you're fifty percent of the equation yeah. still. <laughs> well, I, I get it. You need two to dance. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I believe, uh, you know, that America was created, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You have the right to live the life that you want. 
Right. And, uh, you know, the wh- whether or not I support abortion personally, I respect somebody's right. And I support your decision to make your own decisions. And if this is the decision that you want, right. then you know what? Go and you make that decision. And, you know, people all the time have to live with consequences of decisions. Right. Uh, the government is never going to nanny state you. And we weren't designed as a nanny state. So now you have a situation where, you know, uh, here in Texas, they, they just put that deal out where they said that if you do... Uh, you know, abortion is okay up until about six weeks and then anything after that, it's not illegal, but that the doctor can be sued right. for giving abortions past six weeks. Right. So they, they did a really interesting thing. Instead of outlawing abortion, they were like, no, you can still do them, but you open yourself up to being sued legally right. uh, you know, for, um, for litigation by doing it, which was an interesting play. And the Supreme Court uh, you know, came back and was like, states have the right to make their own decisions. Now, the problem with that is, uh, you know, is that taking somebody's right away from choosing? No, people can still make that choice. You just have to have somebody that's willing to die on the sword for it. But the long belabor point I'm getting to is if we stand on this side and say, hey, as adults, you, you get to make your own decisions. Roe v. Wade granted us the idea of my body, my choice. And now all of a sudden they're coming in and making uh, vaccine mandates for something like this. I don't understand how they yeah, get that, I, that, that feels a bridge too far for me. I, I think it's. I think it's even worse than that. Um, and, and I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of squishy on abortion. So like, I, I don't, I don't have a hard stance either way, but I know the, I know the arguments from both sides. Um, and the, you know, the argument on the pro-life side is we're not, we're not, we're not demanding you do anything to your body, right? Like we aren't telling you what, you do to your body we're not concerned about your body we're concerned about the other life inside of you so which is weird because like let's say i'm a drunk driver and i hit a woman who's pregnant and she dies and the baby dies i get charged with two homicides right so so what's what's amazing is that in the legal terms that if like i'm a drunk driver and i hit a woman and she dies with a baby inside of her i get two homicides so therefore they declare it a life in that deal right but yet it's not declared a life within terms of abortion because the mother's making that decision well and and you know which uh, which just goes to show that like there's no there's, it, there's no level playing field on the, it. Like there's no can, there's no consistency yeah. the law whatsoever or the policies are like uh yeah, yeah and yeah the most i i, th- I think the most recent thing that I've heard that that snapped my head back about um, abortion when they were talking about the Texas law, they said, um, you know, because the women are women are claiming, well, uh, since the baby needs me to live, then it's technically a part of my body at that part. Um, and so the argument was, okay, well, once it has a heartbeat, do you know have two hearts? Are you saying that you have two hearts because we can I can detect two heartbeats in your body? Sure. And then once it has fingers and toes, do you have 20 fingers and 20 toes? Like, no, I mean, that's, that's a separate life. So that's, that's why I say I'm squishy. It's like, well, before all that, when it's a conceptus and you're just talking about conceptus. cells together and it's not really any kind of formation, like, eh, like I'm not really sure if that's a life, you know, and if, um, uh, you know, it's potential life for sure. And so that I, I wouldn't, and, and definitely like, I don't think if you get, if you get raped, you should have to deliver a baby because you got raped, right? You know, like that that seems a bridge too far to me. But anyway, the argument being nobody's saying that you can't do what you want to your body. And in fact, we're not forcing you to do anything. We're telling you that you can't actively stop somebody else's heartbeat because that is the definition of murder. So if I stop your heartbeat for whatever reason, I murdered you. 
Yeah. So if there's a well, there, which is like uh, Doctor Kaborkian, right? You know, he was helping those people with with ethical. Right. Uh, they wanted to die, and like this, the, yeah. there's more. But like legally speaking, you stop somebody's heart purposefully. You know, I, with their will against their will, it's still considered murder. So. The argument that that's my body, my choice compared to my body, my choices, I'm not going to allow you to stick something into me. I'm not going to allow you to put a substance into my body that I don't want into my body, which is, you know, that's that's a wait, that's a positive right. So I have I have a positive right is like the positive right is like you can't do something to me. And well, negative. I mean, but that's the uh, uh, like in the Nuremberg trials, like that was the uh, like the Nuremberg laws, like the right. first one is. Like there's no expect like you like you have to have my consent for medical right. Well, here's the other thing. I have to have your consent for anything as a doctor, right? I have to have my I have to I have to I have to get your consent to do a physical on you, right? Like if I'm going to do any kind of procedure, if I'm going to inject you, if I'm going to give you meds, if I'm going to if I'm going to cut a mole off your body, I have to get a consent and I have to tell you everything that could possibly go wrong. And if death is a possible consequence, I have to tell you that death is a possible consequence. For some reason, you don't have to do that with this experimental drug, which has never been. I mean, we, we you know we know it's never been FDA approved. They they were able to get a uh, emergency well, exemption for that because, and this is they, interesting. They because, are they are saying it's FDA approved now. No, they no. It's it, uh, it's not it's not emergency authorization anymore. It's just like a few weeks ago, it's like it's FDA approved. Oh. No, and, and I thought they, it was to extend the emergency exemption. It wasn't FDA approved. They they came out and they that, said that it. would be better. I hope. Well, that, no, I hope you're no. Right. They came out and they said it, uh, but that was untrue. So what they were trying to do was continue to get they it, extend but, the but emergency the, authorization. Yeah, but the only way that they can get that is if there's nothing on the books that can treat COVID. Right. So if there you was can't have a viable treatment option. Yeah, yeah. If there's no viable treatment option, they can get emergency exemption, which is exactly the opposite. What if you go to look at what the frontline doctors are doing? Right. And and. And there was that one article in the Lancet, which got retracted because a bunch of a bunch of doctors and statisticians, or whatever, looked into it and said, "This data looks a little fishy. Can you give us more information?" Turns out they couldn't. You know, it was supposedly a a, a study of forty thousand people or something. They couldn't produce a single patient. They couldn't say they, they didn't have a single data point where it said this came from here. So. They retracted that article. That was the one and only article that was anti-hydroxychloroquine. Every other study, with which there's hundreds of studies now, has shown hydroxychloroquine to be helpful. Well, you saw I I heard the the one in India with ivermectin. Yeah, where they uh, India was getting their their butts absolutely kicked, right? And then they started giving ivermectin uh, emergency packets, and they've completely reversed it. And uh, there's the. There's a recent study, I can't remember, I, I heard it on a podcast, I, I don't have this study in my head, but um, uh, this br- brilliant physician, uh, McCullen, M- M-C-C-O-L-L-U-N, something like that, McCullen, um, super brilliant medical school professor, 650 publications, very, uh, very smart guy. Uh, he was presenting a bunch of data about it, and there's the the ivermectin trial the most recent ivermectin trial which is several thousands of people um i want to say it was i want to say it was, uh a, yeah it, it was a, it was a lot of people and, and they did a uh they did a, they, they did a, a, a random a randomized trial and just you get the treatment you don't get the treatment ivermectin 
early on, see what happens. The ivermectin group had a reduced hospitalization by 87%. You know, and, uh, they also had it in Peru where, uh, what was it, like 13-fold, yeah. where they were giving ivermectin. It was down. They stopped giving it. A new president comes in, and they had 13-fold. That's right. Yeah, right. I mean, so it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, And the other thing is like the natural immunity. You know, there are, er- there are areas of India when India was getting destroyed yeah. uh, by the Delta variant. There are areas of India that they just didn't, they didn't have any medical services and they, and they never got them. And so essentially everybody got infected. And now they don't have any COVID. Like everybody got infected, whoever's going to die, died. That was it. And now none, zero. Well, no they, one in the hospital, no positive They also, uh, that um, my uh, Indian doctor friend, um, we were texting back and forth. He said that they single-handedly had the most aggressive uh, vaccination policy in the world, he said they were able to go from like absolutely getting destroyed to like 80% of their entire population being vaccinated in a really short amount of time. So I don't know how that plays into it, but I know they were, because I forwarded him that thing on ivermectin. He goes, yeah, they were, basically they were in such a terrible situation that they took the shotgun approach and just were trying anything. Right. Well, so Israel's Israel's data is uh, the most recent data. So I want to say it was the majority is this going to be majority? Make six, maybe sixty nine percent of their hospitalizations were double backs. Um, the other, the other, the other population uh, in the hospital were people who had never had COVID and never been vaccinated. Fewer than one percent hospitalized had had COVID before, Le- so less than one percent. No deaths in the people who had COVID before. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what the novel people who had never had COVID before and, and weren't vaccinated. I don't know what their death rate was, but the, but the death rate uh, amongst the vaccinated was 19%. So, and during the height of the pandemic, before vaccinations, their death rate in Israel for hospitalized patients was 10%. Hmm. So, so I'm not saying yeah, that I mean, there's no utility to this vaccine. I think certain po- certain populations, it probably makes good sense to do it. And sure. there's, there's certain circumstances that I can imagine if I were in that, I would get the vaccine. But I think um, to to say that it's completely uh, Benign, crazy, yeah. crazy and uh, irrational to have hesitancy around this thing is absolutely ludicrous so regardless of whether or not you like wherever you sit on the side of this vaccine debate uh what as individuals can we do to safeguard ourselves like uh sleep uh drinking water you know making sure you know micronutrients are up to date um you know i'm just wondering like uh, aerobic i mean are we pretty much on par with what this podcast is about in terms of like being your strongest healthiest version of yourself so that if something comes knocking on your door, whether it be a, a, a bad guy or COVID, right. you have the ability to fight it off with a strong immune system or a strong shoulder. Yeah, I mean, it's any, it's like any other type of resiliency. Uh, evolutionarily, um, you know, by definition, this is the this is the best machine that millions of years of evolution could produce, right? But it produced it under certain circumstances, which we don't adhere to anymore. So the closer you're approximating that. Yeah. So eating eating what your ancestors ate and moving and exercising like your ancestors did, sleeping like they did with the sun as the cue, 
yeah, of course, this isn't realistic. You can't do that in day, in day to day. But I don't you know about you, man. The minute it starts getting dark, I start yelling at the kids to brush their teeth. Yeah, I mean, you, you can approximate it. And like different people's lifestyles are different, right? So like I have some clients, I say, here's the ideal, and they can bump right up against it. And I have others who are, here's the ideal. I'll say, well, this is reality. This is as far as I can go because I have this. You know, I have kids that go to school in the morning, and I'm the only one who can get them up. And like, so I have to do this, and I have to work till that. And like, I work night shift, and that's my that's my livelihood. Now, you know, so there, you know, there there are people who can't live the ideal. Um, and you know, and you, don't, you you do your best to compensate against that. But you know, sleep is the foundation for you know for the exercise, for the nutrition, and for the stress mitigation. Like, you have to keep your stress hormones low. High, having being stressed out um, impairs your immune system more than anything. Like that, that's the biggest deficit. So it, it doesn't matter if the stress is coming from you eating toxic foods or drinking too much alcohol or just being stressed out at work or being stressed out around divorce or bankruptcy or overtraining, any of that stuff, anything that heightens your immune function. If you think about it, like when you're in fight or flight, you're sort of superhuman, right? Your lungs expand, you take in more air, your, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases, you start, uh, uh, you start mobilizing stored glycogen, your reflexes get faster, your pupils dilate, you take in more air, you you you, you get faster, stronger, better reflexes, higher pain threshold, all this stuff. Well, why not run around like that all the time? Well, it's because it's 100% catabolic. You're using your body as a fuel source to get through this. So the things that aren't happening is like digestion, reproduction, you know, uh, hormone, you know, uh, any anything anabolic, you know, producing anabolic hormones of any size and immune function, because it doesn't matter if you can fight off infection if the tiger gets you, right? So it's like all that sort of gets suspended. So that's what stress hormones do to the immune system. It's part of the, it's part of the, of the uh, survival pathway is like, let's shut that down. We don't need that resource right now. Let's get rid of that. Well, when your immune system, or the exact opposite of that, when your stress hormones are the lowest they will ever be in a 24 hour period is during deep sleep, which is primarily the first two sleep cycles. So your first two sleep cycles are the most anabolic times of your life. And it's not just that that's when all your anabolic hormones are being produced, but it's also when you essentially have no catabolic hormones because stress hormones are catabolic. So you have all high anabolic and almost no catabolic, and that's when your immune system is functioning because it's the exact opposite of fight or flight. Think about everything that's revved up when you're in fight or flight. None of that shit's working when you're in deep sleep. Everything's turned off when you're in fight or flight. All of that's maximized when you're in deep sleep because stress hormones are setting the pace. Cortisol gets a bad rap is that, you know, cortisol is bad, but no, cortisol keeps you alive and it keeps sure. you alert in proportion to your environment. Yeah, if you have no cortisol, you're fucked. You're dead. Right? Right. You're literally dead. And when you, and if you, and if you, if you, uh, say slept in a cave, you would still wake up, right? It's totally dark, totally cold. You can't hear any noises. It's not just light that's, you know, setting your circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm goes whether there's light influence or not. And what wakes you up in the morning without an alarm clock is cortisol, but it wakes you up at an appropriate level. So if you're worried about this vaccine and you're running around panicked that everybody, or you're worried about this virus and you're running around panicked that every person without a mask and closer than six feet is going to give you this disease and you're going to die and everybody else is going to die, you have high stress hormones. You have a weaker immune system. Yeah. If you aren't sleeping well, you aren't repairing. If you don't get enough sleep, like the whole point of me sleeping tonight is to prepare my brain and body for tomorrow. It's using today as the template to repair, regenerate, restore, and bolster my body for tomorrow to do to be able to do what I did today at least as well, if not slightly better. 
Well, if I, and it takes eight hours to do that. That's just the way the world works. It doesn't matter how much butter you put in your coffee or whether, you know, how many electronic devices you use, whatever. Um, it takes eight hours. If I only sleep six hours, tomorrow still comes. How do I do tomorrow? Stress hormones. I increase my stress hormones, which are catabolic, which also means I'm using my body as a fuel source to get through the day. So I'm losing muscle mass and I'm, you know, losing all sorts of things that, that would be beneficial to me. But more importantly, I'm impairing my immune system. Mm -hmm. So when you don't sleep enough, you impair your immune system. When you overtrain, you impair your immune system because you have a ton of cortisol in response to this str the excess stress you put on your body. Going through a divorce, going through a bankruptcy, like, yeah. you know, whatever, like all of these types of things. So controlling your, controlling your stress hormones is, I would say, probably the most important thing that you can do with you know, the underlying message that you can't have balanced stress hormones if you aren't sleeping enough, right? Yeah. Like by definition, uh, that, I mean, that's what inadequate sleep means is that, you know, that you're, you're going to run around on different resources than you should be, than you evolved to be using. And our ancestors likely would have only had brief episodes of stress. They, you know, they wouldn't have run around in a stressful environment all day. The, the only running around in the stressful environment they would have done all day probably is famine. And so the or only, trying to kill something the, uh, or yeah, being stalked themselves. So the only, so if you look at other animals, the only other, an, we're the only animals on the planet that deprive ourselves of sleep on purpose. Uh, the only time any other animal does that is when they're going through famine or when they're being preyed upon or when they're being stalked. Um, and so they'll wake up earlier to be able to go further to forage more for more fuel, uh, to get more food. Um, and, Again, they're going to be not in fight or flight, but they're going to be moving towards that. So they're going to be having some of that benefit. They're going to have like the faster reflexes and higher blood pressure and higher heart rate and all the stuff that you would have in fight or flight, just not as high. But they're also going to have the impaired immune system. Um, it impairs the prefrontal cortex, makes you make bad decisions because part of surviving uh, a bad situation is being very impulsive and very reactive. And so... If you're in famine, and that might mean that your primary fuel source just isn't available anymore. Primary food source isn't primary. So you need to try novel shit. And in order to try novel things, you have to be a little more impulsive. And so animals do that. So it makes sense. And I don't know how you would ever prove this, but it makes sense that evolutionarily, our brains would think the same thing. If we aren't getting enough sleep, it's probably because we're starving, which changes your fuel partitioning, changes your appetite, all sorts of things. Or we're being stalked. So I need to get in fight or flight and kind of get ready to fight or flee. And all again, both of those things, doesn't matter which my body believes, is going to impair my immune system. Um, I'm sure there are things that you could do that would rev up certain regions of your immune system, but I think it's foolish to try to do something like that. Like try to you bolster the nutritional status that we know. Like we know vitamin D3 is hugely linked we know vitamin c is hugely linked we know zinc is hugely linked to immune function magnesium is hugely linked to magnesium is a cofactor for vitamin d3 so if you need vitamin d3 you probably need more magnesium too but again this is just sort of metabolic health if i looked at micronutrient health i'd say like same thing whether covid existed or not you'd need to be in the same place uh eat foods that your body was designed to eat if you eat so like if you eat food it's antigenic. You eat, you eat stuff that your body's not designed to eat, or your body has a reaction to, that's an immune response, right? That's all it is. So if I eat something that irritates my gut, my immune system attacks it, 
and causes inflammation in my gut, causes leaky gut, all this other stuff. Leaky gut then causes even more of immune system uh, rush. So now part of the resources that I need to prevent me from getting COVID or to fight off COVID is now going to my gut because I decided I wanted to eat pizza. Damn. Yeah. So pizza, COVID, no bueno. <laughs> no bueno. And wine and all that all nonsense. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, everything in moderation, right? Even I mean, moderation in moderation. Well, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> that's true. I mean, but you know, like we've talked about, you know, look at uh, like Dr. Michael Rose's talk at AHS about the fruit flies. I mean, it, as you age, you have to get back to your ancestral diet. And I'll tell you, I really believe that. Like, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the smarter dudes on the planet talking about something where, you know, here's his research and you can shoot holes in any way you can. But at the end of the day, it really makes sense why people are like, man, I ate like this and I felt fine. All of a sudden I hit a certain age and no longer can I digest it. I'm having these issues. And uh, I really think, you know, probably that returning to our ancestral diet is probably about the sharpest deal I've heard. Well, I mean, if you look at the complexity at a molecular, hormonal, cellular level of any life on this planet, but especially human, I mean, we're probably the most complex animal in this. You look at the complexity of all that. You look at the complexity of the immune system. There are thousands of, sig- of chemical signal- signalers involved in that, right? There are dozens of cells. There's all sorts of hormones involved. Anything anabolic, anything catabolic, like all hormonally driven, like micronutrients matter, uh, you know, uh, you know every, everything matters. So we don't truly have any systems. Like everything is playing off of everything else. This evolved over millions of years. We talk about the world's only 6,000 years old. Right. Okay. So thousands of years. It's a super complex system that, I mean, there's a reason why people can have an entire career studying one molecule because it's that damn complex, right? How does it interact with everything else in different regions of your body under different circumstances? The context matters as much as the molecule. All these things, like the pH of the blood, while that molecule changes, the shape of that molecule changes how that molecule works. Like it's so damn complex. There's no way that anybody is anywhere close to understanding all of it. So why not just try to say, well, you know, small steps at a time, all of these systems got together to make this one complex thing. Why don't I just do what got this thing here, right? This is like, this is the, by definition, this is the best body that the, that this planet could produce for me. Like, why don't I do what got me here? Um, That has to be smarter than thinking, you know, you're 35, 45 years old and you've been studying textbooks for 20 years and you're like, oh, I got it. I'm, yeah, I'm, we I'm were smarter. Talking, I, I we can, were talking about this. Like, I, I can do better. I like, can do better. Like the arrogance of, yeah. uh, you know, like look at the expanse of time and then, you know, 30, 40 years, I got this whole thing fucking hacked and figured out. Yeah. I know what to do. I, I, I can do better than the, you know, the innate immune system, pretty good, but I know how to do a little better. Like I'm going to whatever put this probe up my butt wear these glasses put a certain light on me like i don't know whatever their gimmicks are so like dave asbury uh ruiz asked me one time if i ever messed with sleep deprivation staying up like 18 hours at a time and i'm like no this is ridiculous uh we we did that a little bit in college <laughs> Um, just well, that's that's yeah. Was that practicing sleep? No, deprivation we or having a good time? No, it's just the fact that uh, <laughs> we had a lot of work to do and we had a practice schedule, and like there was like a you know like you have to do X amount of work to be able to graduate and do well. Uh, you have sleep, and then you have all this football stuff and classes and the whole deal. And like the problem is, is that the sleep just started with doing this, and I got into this idea. Like I, I think I've told you, Doc, uh, I had this thing called the sleep bank. 
where if I like took, you know, where I, if I didn't sleep enough, I could like sleep like, you know, 18 hours on a Sunday, which doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't work. I mean, all, all the research doesn't support it. But yeah. at the time I was like, Hey, yeah. uh, I only slept four hours the last four nights. So technically I'm deficient by X amount. Now what I'm basically going to do is I'm going to try to sleep for 20 hours on a Sunday to build, basically fill my bank account back up. And it and it doesn't work completely, but it does help. It de- I mean, it definitely does help. Uh, so say we put on a three-day clinic and we bust our ass and then we're only getting five to six hours sleep. What's what's so, the makeup time? Is so, it even worth it? So so we don't uh, – yeah, so that, that's something we call debt. We, we call sleep debt. And then we say that you're that we say that you've paid back your sleep debt or your sleep adapted when you can go to bed about the same time every night and wake up about the same time every day without an alarm clock, without any external stimuli, whatsoever. You can do this and consistently and you will feel good when you wake up. And that period is close to about eight hours. That's what all the research has shown. That would be completely sleep adapted. You've paid back your sleep debt. However, you cause some damage, right? You damaged yourself a little bit when you caused the sleep deficit. So Think of it like overtraining. You know, the contract you're born into is like it takes eight hours to recover from 16 hours of being awake. When you're younger, you're more resilient to that. Just like you're more resilient to overtraining, right? So when you're younger, you can overtrain and not suffer as badly, but you're still overtraining. And and if you overtrain for like six months and then you go, oh, I'm overtraining and I'm going to back off and I'm going to get smarter. Well, you did some damage. Like how much damage did you do? I don't know. Like, are you going to repair a hundred percent? Probably not. Not a hundred percent. Maybe ninety nine percent. Maybe ninety. Yeah, but then you. Would, but then we have the Keith Richards phenomenon and Nikki right. Six and these guys, where they're basically you know freebasing, mainlining heroin, and and I guarantee they are not out That's, doing any aerobic base work. I guarantee. I, I like. I guarantee they're not eating. Yeah, but, they're not doing any but, of this but stuff. We we have we have to discern now. Outliers. We, we, right now we have to discern between survival. And health, though, right? Like, are you healthy? <laughs> are you doing well? Or are you just surviving? I doubt Keith Bridges is like robustly healthy. You think he's just up there and he's like, uh, his heroin's he, keeping me I think alive. he's just like making it through every day, <laughs> trying to get what joy he can out of it. You know, I, I can't imagine at he's this, too high functioning. At this point, though, he's just staying alive just to prove everybody yeah. wrong. Because yeah. when Keith Richards dies, people are going to be like, see, Keith Richards died. He died at 200. Yeah. He freeze dried himself. I mean, he might be staying alive out of spite. Yeah. I'll tell you, anger will fucking keep a lot of people. People have survived a long time out of anger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it it's a powerful motivator. Yeah. It's uh you know, as people start to age, I'm always like, Well, you're a little too angry to die. Well, honestly, like you know, this uh you know, the misinformation and fear mongering around COVID pisses me off. And it and it causes me to work a little bit harder, you know. Like, Seventy eight, by the way. I thought he was like in his fucking nineties. Well, he didn't. He didn't. He's he looks a vampire. Like, <laughs> he can't. He's, so he's so he hasn't outperformed Willie yet because Willie's in well it, into his eighties. I thought Willie was in his nineties. He might be in his nineties. Yeah, he's close 88. to ninety. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of morbid, but I went to one of his concerts like two years ago, and I was I was like. Be kind of cool if he died, and like I guess he's the last Willie Nelson concert. <laughs> like, I was at the concert. <laughs> I was Willie at the last one yeah. when dude, he died on stage. Dude, my favorite Willie Nelson story was uh, he didn't pay any taxes, and the IRS yeah. came in and just took everything from yeah. him. They took his guitars and his buses, his house, took everything from him. Yeah, because that's totally fair. And uh, one of his uh, fans basically went to the IRS and stroked him a check and said, "Give him back his shit." And just wrote a check, and they gave him back everything. And then when they asked him why, he's like, "Money I have, Willie Nelson, I don't." 
And you know what? You're not taking Willie Nelson from me. And so, like, one of his fans just fucking wrote a check to the IRS. And it's like, how much does he owe? Here it is. And, <laughs> and they basically gave him back all the shit. And uh, he was like, like the, the way he said his money I have, uh, Willie, I don't. So we're going to make sure that Willie Nelson stays. Hmm. I mean, that to me is uh, like <clears throat> a, a legacy of having badass fans. Yeah. And, and, uh, refreshing to find somebody with a clear set of values. <laughs> well, it's like money I have. Uh, Willie Nelson, fuck you. You're not fucking him over. I want to yeah. hear Willie Nelson still continue to play. And yeah. now he has like... Uh, Wesley Snipes didn't have the luck. Nah, you know, because uh, Wesley wasn't a singer. I mean, you know, how many people were that big a fan of Blade? Yeah. Uh, Blade everybody, versus Sandstorm? <laughs> <laughs> if everybody that saw Blade had to kick in a hundred bucks <laughs> to help uh, uh, Wesley Snipes, he would have been okay. What else? Murder at 1800... Uh, U.S. Marshals well, was awesome. Well, the problem is, is that uh, Wesley Snipes got real big into that taxation is theft and it's not legal. And even though the IRS was that advisory, well, no, it, it's technically true. Like there is no stipulation in in the uh, uh, Constitution or anything ab- like about the IRS. And the IRS didn't exist until about the 30s, I think. And it was fine. I mean, look at what the creation of the IRS. Well, Who's older, the IRS or Willie Nelson? So it's, uh, Willie Nelson is older it, than the IRS. Yeah, the 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 30s is where the uh, not where the where the wage. Um, what do they call it when they take when they take it out of your paycheck? Before? Uh, Social Security uh, withholdings. Yeah, when I think that's when the withholding process started in the, in uh, the 30s. Well, it says. In July 1st, 1862, President Lincoln signed the second revenue measure of the Civil War into law. So that's essentially when citizens started paying the government. Okay. Yeah, but but the withholding thing, I think, started in the 30s, which that does seem a little crazy to me, right? Like, we need a a government, and governments don't produce money, so I understand. But, you know, we have sales tax, we have liquor, we have alcohol tax, we have gas tax. We have have a lot of taxes that you could run the government off of. And, and, you know, just being taxed just for earning an income seems a little strange to me. Just if we got to just a blanket where everybody just paid 10%. Right. So the amount of people that don't pay taxes is pretty high. Right. So if everybody just paid 10%, we wouldn't. So 1913, the 16th Amendment. That's what it was. That uh, the Bureau of Internal Revenue was established. So the 16th. So up in. Okay. So uh, Willie Nelson. He's 88. It's 100. It's 108 years old. Yeah. It's 20 years older than Willie Nelson. So, but he. uh, But the the withholding does seem crazy, right? It's like. We're just going to take that money out of you, and and whatever we owe you back, we'll give you we'll give you later on the year as long as you file your paperwork. You know, no no and, no interest. And, and here's the interesting <laughs> thing on the paperwork: yeah. uh, we're not going to give you any parameters. You got to hire a guy. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't like it. We're going to come after you for it. Right. We're going to audit you. And now they want to. Now they want basically a uh, an eternal audit on all citizens. Did you hear about yeah, this Biden? Yeah. Anybody makes over anybody has over six hundred dollars in their bank account. Yeah. The, uh, access, to the bank. access to all transactions. Logo to me. I just see a giant eagle flexing. I don't know what you guys see, but uh, I see like an eagle at, at a trough. But it looks <laughs> like an eagle with like the scales of justice and like uh yeah. No, the IRS is an interesting is that, because here that, here's the thing. Those, it's uh, it's not an elected position. So this is all bureaucrats that are uh, promoted and given jobs. Like nobody elects the head of the IRS. It's like a faceless organization, right, right. and it's probably the most powerful organization on the planet. Yeah, I mean they and and it gets weaponized quite frequently. Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of the 
a lot of well i mean that, that's what they're that's what they call the deep state right like that's all kind of part of the same thing it's like non non-elected bureaucrats that stay no matter yeah who the president is and, no and matter, their and, nameless faceless and they're essentially running everything and and when when our congress you know they uh, you know at some point the, the congress decided that the 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 way to get reelected was to not pass any unpopular laws. And so they just quit passing laws and they gave all the power to the deep state to write policies. And that's essentially what they tried to do with the CDC saying that you couldn't evict people. And that's what they're trying to do with this, um, you know, using, using OSHA, isn't that for the businesses or something yeah, to say like, Oh, OSHA is going to write a policy that yeah, mandates vaccine. Uh, just like, yeah, so have, o- have the balls OSHA, to pass a law. Uh, OSHA manages like uh, safety, right? Like uh, right. If, if like let's say I had a, a welding machine shop, they OSHA can come in. It has to be OSHA approved, and there has to be all these security measures. Right. Don't drive your uh, scissor lifts. Don't race scissor lifts. Yeah, you're at not full you're, height. You're you're not allowed to have slalom races on scissor lifts at <laughs> yeah. full at full max height, yeah. which we've done. I mean, yeah. we've broken many whoa, many OSHA laws. Whoa. Easy, John. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, that allegedly, yeah, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, we we broke a lot of uh, OSHA. But we're also not a. We were just some, you know, local kids having a good time, renting some scissor lifts, trying to put up a fucking yeah. massive cedar ceiling. We're not that young. Well, the best is I, uh, Parsley, who you know is uh, uh, like had you know lived a long enough life to where he's done some stuff. Like looks up at that ceiling and is like, "Holy shit, that's a lot of fucking work." <laughs> I wonder about how many people come in to Power Athlete uh, HQ, this part of the Power Athlete, look up and see that cedar roof and realize how long and how much effort was put into that. No one. No, because people look up and they're like, well, it's a wood building. Oh, it's probably there. And then they don't realize Real that, sturdy. that was three weeks of planing. Do you remember like this, the piles oh, yeah. of, of sawdust that were like eight feet tall from just planing every piece of that, yeah. cutting it to piece, and then three weeks of a scissor lift with a nail gun? That's a, yeah, that's a lot of work. Well, it, it's true with anything though. Like if you, if you haven't done that type of work before, I mean, it's true with fitness. Like people see, you know, like somebody who's never worked out before and all fat and they're like i gotta get in shape and they see somebody oh they assume it's easy yeah Yeah. see somebody like you and they're like oh i can i could i should be able to get in that kind of shape in like six months or like now three weeks this is a lifetime of this is a lifetime of work you don't understand like how many decisions you know came into me not being 100 pounds overweight like you i mean like you've made you've made a million bad decisions the million bad decisions to be there you have to have time to make a million good decisions to get to this other extreme well it, it's like we, we're uh we painted we're remodeling our kitchen and uh like the the dude was supposed to come and like put in some faucets and all the electrical shit of course they don't come right and like the dude comes in to do the backsplash so there's like a huge problem because the guy can't finish it and so i installed all the sinks and uh you know the garbage disposals and hooked everything up uh you know changed all the electrical outlets out all the switches and everything and so the dude comes in and he's like oh who did all this i'm like i fucking did it yeah. And uh, and then the guy was like kind of asking me, I'm like, I, I was like, you you think this is beyond my fucking skill set? I'm yeah. like, have you been up to the shop? Have you seen all the shit we've done? I'm yeah. like, this is fucking nothing. Changing electrical sockets. I'm like, this is uh, like, and then uh, the funny part was the guy was like hanging around for money and uh, I gave him a little bit of money and then I handed him my bill. And I was like, my time's <laughs> more valuable than yours. I'm fucking cutting you off. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck, this is, yeah. uh, but I don't know, man. I think uh, like, and it was funny. He's like, oh, you know how to do that? I'm like, are you kidding I'm like, I, I can build motors. Yeah. I'm like, you think it's installing a fucking garbage disposal is outside of my, uh, I mean, at least that comes with directions. The shit I have doesn't have any directions. Right. Yeah. The sad reality is that all the tradesmen are going away. Crappy. Like, I, I, 
well, what's well, like, wild? Most most of the trades that I need, like when I've when I've owned houses, like I'm renting out, but when I've owned houses and I've needed work done, ninety percent of the time I hire somebody to do it. They do such a crappy job, I end up redoing it, and I'm like, why should I be better at your job than you are? Well, but that's because of college, just the push for college and all the trades have gone away. Well, yeah. think about uh, when I got a quote for a ceiling, it was forty grand, yeah. and that was when I was like, we're going to take three weeks off. And we'll just get it done. And we did. Right. Just like the staircase. When I got I sent the, uh, I drew the plans out, sent it to a couple people. Like the cheapest bid I got was like 19 grand. Right. And I was like, so I'm probably into that thing for 1500 bucks. Right. And we and it took us a couple weekends. And right. I guarantee the dude didn't build it the way I built it. Right. So uh, like the, I think the end, the end of the day thing is, uh, you know, like and whether it be, you know, the COVID environment, your health, whatever it is, uh, you as the individual have to take ownership yourself to say, you know what, I'm not going to get fucked. I'm going to make a good decision. And if there's something outside my skill set, instead of constantly going out there and trying to find somebody else, why not just add to your skill set? Yeah. You know, we put out that thing for, a, um, you know, for an admin and some things to, you know, to hire some additional people here in Power Athlete. And one of the things is if uh, you apply to the admin position, I'm going to teach you how to weld and fabricate. So if you want to learn to do that, you got to come and do a bunch of work, but you're going to walk away with a tangible skill. And, uh, you know, and how many people are willing to do that? I mean, I'm going to teach Parsley next. That's going to be my next one because Parsley needs to know. That's that. challenging. Teaching me something. Uh, well, well, you, well, with well, you that know attitude, Doc. Well, well, he knows everything. Uh, I, I already know everything. So anything else, thanks? Uh, yeah. I guess this this was back to the earlier part of the conversation. I was thinking quickly, like, at the collegiate athletics, they test certain athletes for sickle cell. Mm. If, if the – if does it become like a, a check to box in my uh, college athletics physical if I had the vaccine to then like I have to be have my heart rate checked? Because even now, before this, there's kids that would die of undetected heart issues right. during conditioning. Right. Was so that related now, to the sickle cell? When, uh, well, no, the, no, he's giving an example. Oh, an like, example, because then like certain. Uh, it's now going to be a screening criteria. Uh, yeah, I, I got you. Because yeah. certain kids had to sit out conditioning or hit conditioning before the same sun came up when I was at Texas because like the, the heat. So they still had to do the work. It was just certain yeah, time like If you've had heat exhaustion, you're 10 times more likely to get yeah. it again. So you can't put them through that situation. Oh, no, I'm pretty much at heat exhaustion. I yeah. just think I'm too stupid to give up. Yeah. Uh, I I mean will will it will it be a criteria I don't know but I I think we're we don't know we don't we don't know I think we're very likely to see some significant long term effects across males at least I'm probably females and we're probably going to see some infertility and again this is what, this is why it takes multiple years to test for vaccine safety and that's why you don't rush out there and and give it. Um, you know, and everybody's trying to compare it to all these other things. Well, what about the polio vaccine? Like that was mandatory. It took 37 years to develop the polio vaccine. And I, well, I'm like, well, you know what? Polio, polio seriously maimed or killed like 60% of the people that are infected. This thing has a death rate of 0. 0.0 something. And if you're under 50, like, and a BM and have a BMI under. I mean, like it's, it's exceedingly rare that yeah. you're going to have any. So and 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 you know when we give all these vaccines to school age children so they can go to school, we're giving them vaccines for diseases they're susceptible to. Kids are at almost zero risk. They're yeah. more likely to get struck by lightning than they are to die from COVID. And yet we're pushing this. Um, I, and you know another great example is. Um, 
of, of why this shouldn't this everybody shouldn't be so damn certain that this is a great idea and pushing forward with it at full speed. You, if you look at, um, I think it was the uh, rotavirus um, vaccine. That ten years after it was approved, they figured out that it was causing intussusception and killing little kids, killing infants. So it's like when you're your bowels kind of accordion in on themselves, you know, like you think of like a collapsing telescope or something, your bowels, in a, and it causes a bowel occlusion and they're babies are, you think, oh, they're colicky and you're rubbing their stomach and they're crying. And all of a sudden this huge inflammatory block bowel ruptures and your kid dies of sepsis before you get to the hospital. It, 10 years after the thing was approved, they figured that out. So how do we know what's going to happen? You know, and, and like you were talking about, um, Vioxx. Yeah, Vioxx. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about Vioxx earlier. Like, that was that approved. Was, that was approved and it was and used great, for years. It was a great medication. Like, oh, this was the next best thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, absolutely. That's so bad. Well, it, it was enough to yank it off the market. Right. Um, I think so, I, so, I secretly think what happened was the patent was coming up and they were worried about them, uh, like, you know, they were going to lose their, their gravy train because once it, the patent was up and everybody could make it, it would have just made it pennies. So I think they made the decision to yank it so that they couldn't share it. Mm, usually what they do is they come up with another use for it. And then they can repatent it. Yeah, so it. like Prozac is still on patent. How long is Prozac been on? I don't know how long you've been taking it. <laughs> So it's Prozac. Pro, Prozac is, it, it was, those pills you take every morning it, that help you be happy. That was the original. Oh, like it was the yeah. antidepressant. It was yeah. the original SSRI. So it was the original antidepressant that works through that mechanism. Tex, how do you know how Prozac is? It's like a butt of a joke. Like, hey, did you take your Prozac today? I don't take it. I mean, I take these amazing <laughs> thorn protein and glutamine. I, I take thorn and I mix everything with coffee and thorn. Yeah. And then uh, and whatever Dr. And coffee. Tom tells me, that's about it. Yeah. So that, which that, is thorn. Yeah, when Prozac was about to go off patent, they literally invented a disease and uh, gave Prozac as the cure and got a patent for that. So uh, when when uh, women have PMS, right, uh, right right around the time of their well, Period. Uh, just to know, Doc is a trained gynecologist. He did his residency in gynecology. So he's speaking of this from an yes. authority standpoint. So uh, PMS, they redefined as, um, I don't know, some sort of menstrual hysteria. Is it was, I think it was dysphoria. Yeah, dysphoria. Yeah, so yeah. it was like a men menstrual dysphoria or something like that. And then... They changed the color of the Prozac pill, made it purple with a yellow stripe or something, and said, like, this is now a menstrual dysphoria drug, and it got approved for that. Because if you take this constantly, you won't be as you won't be as moody around the time of year. And they got a new patent on it, which I guess lasts, I don't know, I think I think patents last seven years. Wow. Something like that. Uh, so that you know it turns out that the pharmaceutical industry is a little smarmy and they can come up with some pretty uh, creative ways to ensure they get paid. Um, and, and I think something that shouldn't escape the, uh, the attention of all of these uh, vaccine certain people is that, uh, you know, the largest criminal fine in the history of America was paid by Pfizer just a few years ago because they were 
actively harming people and actively hiding the fact that their drugs were harming people. And they had to pay a $230 billion fine, which is by far the largest criminal fine ever. And I think it was only five or 10 years ago that they had to do this. And now we're supposed to be like, oh, Pfizer's saving everybody's life. Like, take this thing. Like, this is the best thing ever. I don't think morally they're above making money well, with I a, think, a lot of risk. I think, <laughs> I think what it, it comes down to is you as an individual have to make a decision that you feel comfortable with. Right. And, uh, you know, the idea of blanketly trusting anybody right. is never a good idea. So to the listeners of Power Athlete Radio, uh, personal responsibility. Make sure that you're sleeping eight hours. Making sure you are eating a nutrient dense diet. If you're over the age of forty, go watch that Michael Rose AHS talk about returning your ancestral diet. I think it was AHS eleven. Excellent. So looking and returning back to the ancestral diet, making sure you're doing some form of lifting weights, some form of uh, metabolic conditioning that looks like hit, and some aerobic based training like if on our training programs like Grindstone, Jack Street, Field Strong, Hammer. Uh, lean enable they all follow a very very similar template and uh, if you're over the age of let's say 40 45 50 and you're in that age group making sure you're going and seeing a doctor getting checkups if you have any issues not just fucking avoiding them going and finding a guy like doc parsley to look at your hormones and if you have any hormonal issues making sure you're working with somebody to balance those out so you can live your best life and uh, you know you as the individual have to take personal responsibility for yourself is nobody is coming to fucking save you. Nobody's hiding around the corner. I wrote the blog years ago. Nobody's hiding around the corner to grab you and save you. You as the individual have to seize the day and make sure that you make it as far as possible because you owe it to your wife, to your kids, and the people around you within your tribe to fucking make it as far as you can. And at the end of the day, um, don't go along. Like Sheeps get fucking slaughtered because they go in groves. There's no problem standing there and being like, hey, I want to take it slow. I want more information. Or, you know what, I want to hear from trusted experts. Or, you know what, I just don't know. So, you know what, I'm not going to make a decision until I have more information. So, that's my public service amount, uh, announcement. Thanks for another episode of Power Ethic. Hey, right now it's time for you to empower your performance. Join us next week when we will talk with Kristen Weitzel of Warrior Woman Mode. Until next time, bye!